The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Hello, this is Zach Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing the Road to Destruction shows, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox also make sure to check out our friends at purezuroad.com for all your great purezu content alright young boy uh, before we jump into the Road to Destruction shows we got some housekeeping business we gotta do we need to name the August Wrestler of the Month and the August match of the month but I want to jump into those road to shows so badly <laughs> so badly uh, like I can't contain myself these shows were just oh, off the charts amazing no. right some <laughs> show of the year candidates absolutely better than all in better than all in <laughs> Mr. ACP <laughs> oh my god it's all love it's all love. Actually, you know, we got to have Mr. ACP on the show one of these days. Yeah, we do. I, I feel like that would be an interesting episode. I, I feel like it would be a fantastic episode. Yeah. And I'm not being facetious. Ne- like, neither am I. I'm dead serious. You're not being serious. No, I am. You're a heel, I can tell you. <laughs> I can see that look in your eyes. You're trying to bury this man. I'm trying to raise him up. No, man. Trying to give him the shine, the rub. Trying to give him the rub? Trying to put him over. Oh, man. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. Actually, like... Thinking about like bringing someone on the show makes me like want to cut like a like a heel promo on them and be like, <laughs> Mr. ACP. <laughs> oh, oh my god! But yeah, so let's get into this. So we did not name last week. Man, last week was like we were jet lagged. Dude, we were in like all in hangover. Oh my uh, god! We didn't even do the news last week. Like it kind of carried over to this week. It's been it's been an experience. But yeah. we are back and we're here. And, yeah, we didn't name the wrestler of the month or the match of the month. Yeah. What were we thinking? Uh, Think about all in. August was a whirlwind, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like, it was like, 
you know, G1 came and then it was over. And now, like, I hadn't even, I didn't even think about those things until, like, today. I was like, oh, my God, we didn't even name it. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I don't think it was that difficult to come up with the answers when everything was said and done, really. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Uh, let's start with a match of the month. Ah, oh, this was this was open and shut. For, for me, anyways, it absolutely had to be Tanahashi and Ibushi. From the G1 Finals, uh, so many great matches, so, so, so many great matches. And I mean, we could obviously sit here and talk about all the great matches that happened in August, but I think we did, if you want to go back and, you know, discuss that, you should probably go back and listen to our review of the G1 when we gave our top 10 matches of the month. A lot of them happened in August, so I mean, that'd be a little redundant at this point, but absolutely, for me, the match of the month had to be Ibushi and, and Tanahashi. Yeah, hands down for me also, match of the month. I mean, dude, that match is so epic. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And then um, this is where things got a little more dicey was Wrestler of the Month. Now, I know that we named our MVP of the tournament Ibushi, but really what it comes down to, Match of the Month is just for August. You know, it's we're not taking into account anything prior or before. Right. So with that being said, I mean, it, it, it was pretty tough taking a look at the candidates. I mean, Tanahashi and Okada had some of their, like, pretty much their best performances of the tournament during Omega, that Omega, Ishii. Omega and Ishii. But when we, and Naito, mm-hmm. Zack Sabre, I mean, these guys were all on, even Sonata, man, like, a lot of these guys were on fire during, during the last few weeks. And we're talking about Night 12 to Night 19. So, I mean, you know, you had a lot of good stuff in there. But for when it was all said and done, it could only be one. Golden star. <laughs> Kota Ibushi. Yeah, so Kota Ibushi uh, not only taking match of the month honors, but wrestler of the month honors. So yeah. congratulations to Kota. Shout out Ibushi, man. You didn't yes. win the tournament, but you won this award. <laughs> you won the illustrious Keeping It Strong Style Wrestler of the Month Award and Match of the Month Award. This is gonna go down. This is gonna like I'm. I'm gonna update his uh, Wikipedia. His Wikipedia. <laughs> he needs to know. Yes, he the does. The world needs to know. Yeah. Oh my God. Should we start doing that? Should we start like updating everyone's Wikipedias well, when they win our awards? Yes. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think anyone would even notice? Uh, I doubt it. I've never. Have you ever done that? Like well, edit up. Pity? No. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it up to you. You're you're the you're the techno whiz. Like, yeah, I'll I'll do it for sure. Don't do it. I was just joking. That is not a good idea. Oh, it does man. not scream like you know, good journalism. That that's 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 some that's some uh you know that's some gimmickry. That's <laughs> some finessing. That's some finessing. That's some uh smoke and mirrors. We're yeah. not about that. We're, we're we're about the quality in ring product, Jeremy. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, you want to get into these shows? Yeah, man. These Road to Destruction shows, man. So, the first one was uh, September 7th. What were were your, like, you know, um, what was your reaction to, like, for the first time in what seems like months going back to all Japanese commentary and their Road to shows in Corrigan? Honestly, I, I kind of forgot how much I like Japanese commentary. Mm. I mean, those guys get so into it every match. And what do you mean by those guys? 
Oh my god. Well, I never know who like <laughs> what because they have like multiple sets of Japanese commentators. Right. So I never know who's on our feed. Like I have no idea if like Milano Collection AT and no, I think he's on the Samurai team. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure. Yes, yeah, so I, I never know. So it's like. Whatever teams on New Japan World Feed, like, those guys are awesome. I think we know what you mean when you say those guys, Jeremy, okay? (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to get a new co-host. People are going to boycott our show. They're going to burn our merch. And rightly so. I'm going to join them. (laughs) Um... No, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) Japanese commentary was great. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you changed your, you didn't call them those guys. Cork uh, <laughs> and Hall was great. So Cork and Hall sold out. I was excited, man, that New Japan was back. You know, it's been, what, three or so weeks since we've had a New Japan branded show yeah, but to even, watch and you review. Know, we had Kevin Kelly goodness for so long. I mean, it, yeah. it really has been a while. I, mean, I know. I, I was kind of, I clicked on it and I was like, I didn't even like pay attention that there was like no two options. Like I clicked on it and like Japanese commentary started. I was like, wait, then I clicked on English and I wait, wait. Oh wait, there Japanese is no English. Commentary does not bother me one bit. It doesn't bother me at all either. But, but with that being said, it is like getting reacclimated to mm-hmm. something that I watch all the time, but it's, it's been a while, man. Right. Like, you know, and not only that, but like, you know, the G1 shows have a big feel. Like these are road two shows. We haven't had road two shows since what? Like, um, Don Taku. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. If maybe that's not. Were there were, were there road two shows for Dominion? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was, yeah. but I mean, maybe not. I don't know. It's been a while. You know, it's been a while. So we're here now, and uh, yeah, let's get into these. So yeah, September seventh show kicked off with a uh, bull club team of Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi against the young boy team of Ren Narita and Shota Umino. <laughs> Uh, you know, nothing, nothing too much to really discuss here. I mean, um, anytime Narita and Umino are out there, you know, it's impressive. Obviously, you know, I'm a Chase Mark. Obviously, you know, Jeremy's a a Ujiro Mark. He loves <laughs> he loves Ujiro. <laughs> Not sure, sure if I love him or just the people who comes out with him. Oh, what do you, what do you mean by those people? <laughs> Is that gonna be the the running gimmick for this show? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. God. But, yeah, I mean, it was a good opener, good pace. Um, Narita and Umino are, like, you know, the the tail end of that class. Obviously, like, you know, uh, Oka is gone. Yep, the great O'Karn. Yep, the great O'Karn. And then uh, what's-his-face over in CMLL? Yeah. Uh, We forgot it. We forgot, like, it's been a while. Oh, my gosh. can't believe I forgot. Wow, this is really bad. Yeah, what's uh, wrong with us? Dude, like one of the best young boys that was in New Japan for a while. Uh, what's wrong with <laughs> us? Man. I'm, I'm going to find it out. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's over in CMLL. We talked about him. He has a new haircut. Um, Kawato. Yes. Oh, my God. Kawato, wow. Kawato-san. So yes, Kawato. What are we doing? I don't know, man. Oh Sleeping out here. This is why the numbers are down. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're losing sponsors. I'm surprised, like, Pure Resu Road doesn't just take us right off their network. My yeah, God. yeah. Jeremy's yeah. saying racist stuff. And- yeah, yeah. Blue Chew called, and, <laughs> you know, they just pulled out the deal. Hey, hey, how about, guys, how about this? How about, I did not know what Blue Chew was. Um, <laughs> like, literally, like, the other week, like, Jeremy had to tell me what it was. I literally thought 
that it was chewing tobacco. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I don't listen to all the other shows that have that gimmick. Like, when Jeremy's talking about, like, Blue Chew, I just thought it was literally, like, Skull or something, you know? And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. And then Jeremy's like, nah, dude, it's basically Viagra. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, it's like every po- every wrestling podcast, like, there was, they had a booth at StarCast. We weren't at StarCast. I know, but... It was, out, it was out there, man. Yeah, but I don't listen to all those jabronis. Like, I listen to Dave, and I yeah. listen to us, and then that's pretty much it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. But, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, so Narita and Umino are kind of like the last two that are, like, left over. Obviously, Yagi's injured. Um, we don't know what happened to Kitamura. Like, these are kind of like the last two remaining, like, gunslingers of that class of young boys. And they're just getting better and better by the, yeah, man, every man. time I see them out there, you know? Um, so with that being said, obviously, uh, Chase Owens hits the, you know, package, package pile driver, eight minutes, good little opener. Everybody got their stuff in. Um, that brings us to the next match, which was a eight man tag bullet club, uh, taking on Juice Robinson, Michael Elgin, Dave Finley, and Ayato Yoshida. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Yoshida? Okay. So yeah, I mean, this isn't, it's not the first time we've seen him. We've seen him a couple of times now mm-hmm. on some of these shows and like the, uh, Lionsgate shows. Um, you know, I think he's a pretty solid guy. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him more, more one-on-one, what he could do. But from what we've seen so far, uh, I think he's a good hand. I think he'd be, he'll be an interesting addition to the roster. Sometimes I'm just wondering, like, you know, it's not that New Japan hasn't ever brought anybody in from outside. Obviously, there's lots of people on the roster who've been brought in from the outside. Right. But it's not too often when they bring in a really young guy mm-hmm. who's comparable in experience and, you know, like, ring time to, like, say, Young Lions. Which, I think Yoshida's got a few years on them, but as far as, like, his stance in the company... He's, he's right down there with them, yeah. Yeah, and in some cases, like, he's almost presented as lower than them. Mm-hmm. I think it creates a really interesting, like, situation. Like, do we view him as, like, on the same level as, like, a Hanare, you know? Or do right. we view him on the same uh, level as, like, a Umino? Because Umino beat him at that, that Lionsgate show, right? He did, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's pretty big for, you know, losing to a young boy. So he's kind of on, pretty much on that level, I would assume. But then they've got him in matches like this, where it's, like, him, Elgin, Finley, and Juice. And you mm-hmm. kind of wonder, like, what is his stature in the company at this point? Like, what, right. where does he fit in the pecking order of things, you know? Um, now, this is something that I thought was pretty funny. How about fans online who are upset about them, quote-unquote, poaching Ayato Yoshida? Really? I haven't, I haven't seen any of that. Yeah, I, I saw some of that online, and I just thought, like, I was like, really? Like... You know, there there are people who literally don't maybe understand like how Japanese pro wrestling works, right? So they're they're assuming like them bringing in Yoshida's like them bringing in Ishimori last year, or right. you know bringing in. Uh, but it's like Sonata, but it's not the same thing. He's from K Dojo, mm-hmm. which is run by Takamichi Nohu. It's a feeder system. Who's a part of Suzuki Goon. Uh, so <laughs> no, literally, it's a feeder system. Right. I mean, they run tiny shows a few times a year. You know, they do like two hundred people, something like that. They're not making a run at like actually being anything. Right. You know, they're not trying to get a TV deal. They're actually trying to progress their guys so that they can go to companies like New Japan. Right. And like you know, to me, that, to me, that sounds like if a, a ignorance. <laughs> yeah, but I was gonna say like if a WWE fan was like. 
uh, man, they're poaching all these girls from the Dudley Boy promotion for May Young Classic. Oh, they're oh. they're stealing all these guys from Evolve. Yeah, they're stealing these guys from Booker T's reality of wrestling. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's the point of those promotions. That's yeah. what they're there to do. So, uh, from that stance, I did see some people talking about that. And I thought it was pretty comical. Um, you know, just... <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see any of that yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah, But with that being said, um, I've been pretty impressed with him. I just do wonder, like... Am I supposed to view him as higher than the Young Boys, or uh, I, I don't know, from, a contemporary? To me, I, th- I think he's on the same level. Even though he's in, he was in this big eight-man tag here. I mean, we we have seen times where Young Boys, one Young Boy, will be thrown on like an eight-man tag on this specifically to uh, take the fall in a match like this, and that's exactly what happened in this match. Yoshida, he got he hit, um, got hit with the ape shit and was pinned by Tangaloa. Yeah, so. Yeah, and when I said Bullet Club, just to be clear, we're talking about the OGs. We're talking about Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Ishimori. Mm-hmm. And in these matches, Ishimori is just—he's the star. Oh yeah, hands down, hands yeah. down. So with that, Bullet Club picks up a win. Um, pretty good match. Really good closing stretch. Uh, Yoshida looked good. Ishimori looked good, and we move on. Uh, we get a special singles match. Yeah, uh, Beretta against Toa Hanare, and you, this was uh, you know Beretta's big return to singles action after the bicep injury. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I thought this match was just just okay. I was a little disappointed in it. Um, it it went like eight fifty, and mm-hmm. it felt a lot longer than that to me. I think part of the problem is like the fans weren't really that into it. Uh, in Corkin, which is kind of surprising because it's a pretty hot crowd. Right. Um, they weren't like technically bad, but I don't know. Like to me, Beretta, and and I've noticed this, and we'll talk more about it. But Beretta on this tour, he's such a dynamic guy to me. So there's many times where like I grade on a on a curve with him. There's things that typically now, granted, there's probably ring rust, and granted, you know, there's probably nerves coming back to Japan. But this is a guy who like can do this type of match in his sleep and look great. And there's certain times where, like, some of the flashier stuff that I'm used to him just hitting, like, like clockwork. Right. He was, like, a little off. A yeah. little a little bit off. The other thing, too, is Hanare, um, who has impressed us. Like, a lot of his matches where he's really impressive are brawls. Right. Working a classic-styled wrestling match with Beretta is a little different. It wasn't really in his wheelhouse, you know Right, I mean? yeah. But, yeah, I mean... Not too much else to say here, but I mean, Beretta picked up the win with the uh, Dude Buster. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, we don't get singles matches a lot in New Japan. So when it happens, it's kind of a big deal. This was a special singles match. I thought I thought both guys had an okay accounting of themselves. It's not. I'm not going to bury them. But that being said, this wasn't something where, like, Beretta came back and he looked like a world beater. Right. Hanari looked like he's ready for a, a push. A push, yeah, You know, yeah. it was nothing like that. Um, but I do think they're heating up Beretta. Oh, yeah. You know, because I think that's the whole reason they gave him this match. And obviously, with him going over, it, it is somewhat of a push, you know? So we'll see where that goes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean... I'm glad Beretta's back, and, you know, hopefully future one-on-one matches will be, you know, even better performances, so, Mm -hmm. yep. So that brings us to the next match of the night. Uh, Hiroki Goto, the never-openweight champion, along with uh, Booker Mangato, taking on um, Lord Taichi and Taka Michinoku. And, uh, Jeremy, you told me you didn't... 
You didn't catch this in the beginning of this match? I went back and uh, saw it. But yeah, um, Tai Chi gave the good old bird to uh, Harold May. Yeah. Yeah, he said uh, Tai Chi 316. So <laughs> <laughs> I just broke your rules. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's that that that's like the one big talking point. I mean, we'll, we can discuss the match here in a moment, but um, I don't know. I, I've heard so many other people kind of comment on this, and I mean, how serious do you think these new like regulations and rules are when it comes to the profanity stuff? Because it's like everyone's just breaking it. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's the thing. I don't know if it's that serious. I mean, you know, Makabe is still doing his thing. Uh, Bullet Club OG, they're still cursing and doing. Their, I mean, uh, uh, we've got to talk about this, but uh, Tama Tonga is like bringing the camera down to his crotch. Make it, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's walking out. He's like humping the lens. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's clearly wrestlers are clearly disobeying it. So. And I mean, this is one of the most like overt like violations of it literally the, right the, the president of the company who apparently made this rule or whatever uh you know taichi just looks at him right in the face and yeah you know throws this big bony middle finger finger right up in his face so um i don't know i mean i'm, I'm just wondering if it's something where it's like maybe there's a grace period or leniency or maybe right. it's just a storyline it's really hard to tell like how seriously they're taking this sort of thing right or maybe maybe the boys just don't care that yeah so one of those look. What are you gonna do? Fire me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, very interesting. But um, yeah, that was kind of the big talking point. And then after the match, uh, Tai Chi, you know, was like kind of cutting a promo on Harold Mai. So yeah, uh, very, very, very interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to think about that. And again, this was another kind of just okay match. Uh, Goto gets the GTR on Taka, gets you, the win. You know, these these road two shows sometimes guys will really. Uh, you know, work real hard during the road to shows to set stuff up. But, you know, the Destruction Tour, typically guys kind of like, you know, it's post G1, guys kind of take a break. There, There's very, now we're going to get some pretty dynamic stuff on this show. Yeah. But for the most part, a lot of what we're seeing is guys kind of taking it easy. And this was another one of those things. I think the whole point here, obviously, is Goto's going to be defending the Never title against Taichi very shortly. Right. And so these matches, you know, again, it's Road 2 shows, so you're going to see similar matches or different variations of the same matchup. And so Goto and Taichi are, you know, wrestling in tag matches on, on this tour. And the, every night, Taichi's pretty much jumping Goto before the bell, you know, and, and that's kind of the story of the matches yeah. um what, what do you make of goto and taiji you know i mean their entering interactions i mean they really haven't blown me out of the water um it's kind of been there so i'm not exactly sure how their one-on-one match is going to be we know goto is a guy that will coast if he's not in there with the right guy to challenge him he, he wrestles to the level of his competition yeah i've said it and, time and, and time again and taichi i mean he, he's getting better but he's like he's not really his in-ring stuff has never been like amazing, outstanding. So no, I mean he had a, he had two good matches back to back with Tanahashi and uh, Naito earlier in the year, but since then I literally have seen nothing that's compelled me. Now I think it is. I think it's kind of cool that they since they left him out of the G one, they kind of threw him a bone and were like, all right, well we'll throw you a never open weight title, right? You know, shot. Um, I don't know. Do, do you think he's taking the title off Goto? Uh, I don't think so. I kind of feel like he might. Yeah? I don't know. I don't know. You know, 
Russell Kingdom's coming up, so it's hard to yeah. say. But I mean, I don't know. He's out here shooting the bird, the president. Like <laughs> he could, you know, he could take the title and then maybe lose it again at King of Pro Wrestling. Right. It's hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah. But um, yeah. So this match ended. Uh, Goto and Gato defeated Taichi and Taka Michinoku at nine minutes and sixteen seconds. Goto hit the GTR on Taka, and uh, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Next up, we had a, another eight-man tag with uh, Naito, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi, L.I.J., taking on the Suzuki Goon team of Minoru Suzuki, uh, Iska, Kanamaru, and El Desperado. You know, honestly, I don't even feel like we really need to discuss this match. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's what you thought would happen, folks. J- Suzuki Goon jumps the bell, wild brawl over the place... It's wash, rinse, and repeat. And not yeah. only that, like, these LIJ and Suzuki Goon matches are more egregious than normal as far as, like, just being all over the place. Uh, to me, they're a mess. I mean, it's fun, but it and it's but it's too chaotic for me to yeah. really take seriously. I mean, the whole point here, obviously, is we're setting up Naito and, and Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you got Isaka in there doing his thing and all that. So it, it's whatever. Yeah. It feels like we've had LIJ and, and Suzuki Goon all year. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's got to be like, you know, a feud of the year candidate. Yeah. It's got to be. Um, but nothing here, really, I would say go out of your way and watch. Right. Um, LIJ gets the win with the Magic Killer on Isaka. They get the win. So uh, up next we have uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Well, before we move on, I think the big thing to, to point out is the one redeeming point out of these matches is you know Suzuki and um, Naito's interactions after the match. Right. Yeah. Super heated. Lots of brawling. Um, there was the point where Suzuki like kept trying to get back in the ring with the chair. <laughs> yeah. Then Naito did like the Stino pose. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it seems like it's a lesser version of what they already did earlier this year. Right. Yeah. B- before they uh, wrestle at Hino Kuni. Right. So it's kind of like. It's the same feud, but with less heat and no title behind it. So it does kind of make you wonder, like, what is this? What's the point of this? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's like, what else do you do with those two guys right now, I guess? I'm not opposed to seeing them wrestle again. Yeah. But the build to the first match was so excellent that I'm kind of like, well, maybe they're doing the opposite this time. Maybe the build's not going to be so great and the match is going to be awesome. <laughs> Let's hope that's the case. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, uh, the one thing I would say, skip the match. Fast forward, and you can see the Naito and Suzuki stuff after the end of the match, and it's pretty good. Yeah, so up next we had uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Togi Makabe, and Honma taking on Kazuchika Okada, Toriyano, and Yoshihashi. Six-man tag. This was another good match. I mean... We, we've got the build to Tanahashi and Okada going. Yeah, I mean, pretty much anytime you have Tanahashi and Okada in the ring together, it's going to be good. Even in these multi-man tag matches, their interactions are always some of the best stuff in the matches. What did you think about Okada bringing the balloons back? Yeah, I did think that was kind of weird. I was like, oh, here we go. We're, like, regressing, like, all in. We got, like, you know, the coat and, like, doing the Rainmaker pose. And now, like, he's regressed back to coming out with balloons. I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if you noticed this. His uh, hair's getting really light. Yeah. His hair's getting really light. Yeah, the red dye is... The red yeah. dye's going out, and I'm starting to wonder, like, he's not he's not re-dyeing it. Is, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe he's going to come back with the... Uh, we might be getting the Rainmaker back. For the Tanahashi match? Yeah, we might hmm. be getting the Rainmaker back. That's just my gut instinct for King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't know. There are probably other people, other listeners, who are still 
waiting to see how this storyline develops. Maybe they're hoping that they don't like abandon the whole broken Okada thing so just so quickly, you know? Right. Which, you know, that that would be more in line with New Japan's storytelling methods, I would say. But I don't know. I mean, he, he's not dying the hair back red yet, so we'll see what happens at King of Pro Wrestling. But yeah, the, the balloons are back, and man, that jarring music. <laughs> yeah, but. Um Okada, Yano, and Yoshihashi end up getting the win here. Yano, uh, low blow in a cradle on Hanma. And so, yeah, Chaos gets the win here. Yeah, these these matches, you know, very easy to, to kind of get through. Nothing, you know, blow you away. But, you know, just it's a road to show, you yeah. know. <laughs> and then um, that's going to bring us to the main event, which was the Golden Lovers taking on Tomohiro Ishii and Will Ospreay. And I got to say, Jeremy, that I was nothing if not excited for dude, this match. this match was freaking amazing, dude. This was a banger. This was the best match of all three nights. Yeah, this by was, far. This was amazing stuff right here. By far. The thing is, um, you know, ever since WrestleMania weekend, when we saw... Uh, Ibushi and Will Ospreay square off at that Rep Pro show. Yeah. I've been wanting to get them back in the ring together for for a while. And then obviously Ishii and the Golden Lovers interactions during the G1. So, I mean, you know, how could this be anything but fantastic? But Right. I mean, the hard-hitting action between all of them, the high spots and high-flying moves between Ibushi and Ospreay. I mean, Omega and Ishii killing each other. I mean... The, the crowd was so into the match. I was so into I was, this match. I was very, like, very, very into this match. And, um, the, yeah, this match just blew me away. Some of my favorite stuff about it were, were the interactions between Ishii and Kenny Omega, just the striking exchanges. Oh, yeah. And, like, uh, Kenny, did I say Will Ospreay? I meant to say Kenny Omega. Uh, but Kenny just trying to stand up to Ishii and, like, show that he's he's a man. <laughs> yeah. And just getting cut down for for you know for his courage like that that's been amazing. And then I know you really dug the interactions between Osprey and uh, yeah, dude, I love that. I mean, that's the, been the theme of the weekend. Osprey gets in there, give me a bushy, <laughs> <laughs> and they get in there and they just mix it up and like doing some of the crazy stuff that only those two guys can do. Yeah, it's it's. It's just so excellent because obviously at this point we think of Abushi as a full-fledged New Japan heavyweight, but when he gets in there with some of the, the like excellent juniors out there, you know, guys like a Ricochet like type level uh, caliber or Will Ospreay, yeah. who can do these things, um, and also like you know we saw his interactions with uh, Hiromu during the Pro oh, Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean like. <laughs> You know, having having a heavyweight, like I've said this time and time again, I think that Ibushi is the most versatile guy on the New Japan roster when it comes to working different styles. And this was nothing if not special. I, I thought this match was going to be good, but I mean, I, I would have topped it out at like four stars just given the fact that it was a Corkin show. Yeah. Given the fact that it was a destruction show. Road 2. Yeah. That's what I mean. A Road 2 destruction show. Yeah. I was not expecting something like this. I mean, this was one of the best tag team matches I've seen this year. Yeah, dude, this was amazing, and it just makes me want to see Will Ospreay move up the heavyweight. You know, and it started out really good with the different wrestling and, uh, you know, um, you know, like chain grappling and then the strike exchanges and all that. But once they started getting into the meat of the match midway through and people just started throwing out bombs and then everyone just kept all the near falls and all the yeah, all, I mean, all the golden lovers doing the cross slash. 
Here's part of why I think this match was so great, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think ultimately, and we're going to talk about it later, but I think that we are leading, inevitably, to an encounter between Abushi and Kenny. Oh, yeah. And there's something that we'll talk about after the, the tag match on the third night that definitely makes me think we're going that way. With that being said, um, I don't know that they'll necessarily break up. You know what I mean? Right. I, I'm not saying that because we've seen it before where tag team members, especially given the sports-centric nature of New Japan, they can have a match and still maintain. And still be partners. But at the same time, how volatile things might get, it seems like they could be leading to a split. Yeah. And if that's the case, this, this run that they're on and the fact that they've had only a handful of tag matches leads me to believe that maybe when they get in the ring, they don't want this to just to be seen as some sort of cash grab or some sort of fluke. I think that they're trying to leave an actual legacy behind and that's why every time they get in the ring, they work so hard to have dynamic matches even when it's a cork and, you know, road to show. Right. I mean, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great analysis and also too, I mean, we've we've seen Omega several times now. Omega's a guy almost in the same mindset of the Young Bucks where they go out there and they give you their best performance every night, regardless of what size crowd it is, what city they're in, what arena they're in. Mm-hmm. Those guys that go out there and they give it 100%. Yeah. So I expect no less from Kenny Omega matches. And, and this match was just a shining example of that. I mean, every single one of these guys was on fire. Osprey just reminding me. I mean, it's, it feels like it's been a little while since we've seen Osprey. Right, yeah. And it's been a little while since we've seen him work to this level in mm. a New Japan ring. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like since the Ishimori match. We really haven't seen him really at that high-end level. Mm-hmm. You know, even during the Super Juniors, like, yeah, he carried a lot of guys, but he didn't work to a Super right. well, he, was, he was in that A block, which was, like, not... Right. B block was where it was at. And... Right. And then, oh, well, I guess he did have that fantastic match with Hiromu where he dropped the belt. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But even still, it's been a little while, whereas this was, like, the return of Osprey. And, uh... I mean, what are your thoughts also on a guy like, obviously, Osprey, he wrestled uh, Okada at the anniversary show earlier this year. We keep hearing the different arguments for, you know, juniors. Obviously, we saw what happened with Marty and uh, Okada at All In. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you watch a match like this where you've got two of the top heavyweight stars in, in you know, New Japan today in the Golden Lovers, and both of them are former IWGB Junior Champions. Both of them work a very similar style. And I mean, what, they've got a few pounds on Osprey? Right. I mean, it's like I said, I, <clears throat> I want Osprey. I think Osprey would be a great fit into the heavyweight division. Uh, don't get me wrong, the junior division in New Japan is great. It's well booked. It's probably one of the, the best booked junior slash cruiserweight divisions in all of wrestling right now and those guys they get the main event shows they get their own tours they get tournaments they get focus but it's like for a guy that's that talented as Will Ospreay you see what he can do with guys like Omega Ibushi um, Okada it's like I want to see this guy mix it up with all the heavyweights and, and get some shine in that division yeah I mean I'm ready I'm ready at this point to admit that you know I have no problem with there being a junior division. I love the junior division. I love the junior Mm -hmm. title. And we're not the only ones who've ever called for this, obviously, especially if you're a fan of this product. But it's like, I want to see more heavyweights and juniors interacting. Yeah. Uh, There's just, there's too many great matches to be had to not be doing that more often. And I want to watch it in a context where 
it's junior, possible for the junior to win. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? So um, I thought this match was excellent. I thought Osprey was great. I thought Ishii was phenomenal. The Golden Lovers are the Golden Lovers. Uh, this is the recommendation of this tour so far. Yeah, like, this go, match is go, awesome. Go out of your way to watch this one. Um, to finish it off, the Golden Lovers end up uh, hitting the Golden uh, Trigger on Will Ospreay. They pick up mm-hmm. the one, two, three. And, yeah, this match was just – it was just really, really fun, really, really incredible. The crowd was locked in the entire time. And, um, yeah, I mean, this could have headlined any kind of, like, big show. Yeah. I mean, easily, easily. Easily. So I would highly recommend if you're if you're, like, going to cherry pick or watch anything, you got to see <clears throat> this match. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Uh, so then we move on to uh, September 8th. Show kicks off with Young Boy Action with Shota Umino teaming up with Yuya Uemura. This gets a recommendation from me. Going against uh, Ren Narita and Yota Suji. And I gotta say, man, Suji is looking yep. great, dude. This guy's packed on some muscle. He's bigger. Look at him. Look at him. He's vascular. He's huge. He's got the hair growing out. He's got the you know the goat the uh, the beard Su- growing out. Suji looks good, Dude, man. He he's looking like a star out there, man. So when we first started seeing Suji and Yamura come out, we kind of said you know we got to give him some time, see where they are. Man, Suji looked green, like so 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 green. I mean, yeah. this guy like we were kind of talking. We're like, yeah, he's a bruiser. Yeah, he's got hard strikes, but man, he is stiff. As crap he feels like he can't move like his mechanics are not there and it's like we haven't seen him in a while obviously like the young boys really weren't working the g1 all of a sudden this dude comes out and i'm like where's suji been yeah like this guy put on some weight and i mean his frame can really carry that weight yeah dude and his wrestling he has gotten so much better yeah Dude, yeah. All his matches this this tour, man. And it's uh, it's not just the fact that we're noticing how much better he's getting because don't get me wrong, Umora also is taking great strides, but like But he was already better. He was already yeah, he was already really, really good, but Suji, it's like overnight he's become a different guy. And another thing about it, and I'm gonna point this out, I don't think we're the only ones who I don't think this is lost on New Japan because they made a point of showcasing Suji in this match. This was the Suji show. Oh, Oh, yeah. Um, they let him get in a ton of great offense against Sumino and Yumura. Uh, him and Narita worked really, really well together. And then um, he had a ton of, like, near falls going up against Sumino, which is usually, like, in the past when we saw Suji first came, come out, just like we do with most young boys. Like, you know, it might get a lot of, like, offense, but they're not getting near falls. They're not getting submission nears. You know, they're, they're not going to... Um, do that. Whereas now, like he started, he's he's get, trying to go for roll ups and he's trying to uh, yeah. to get the win. And then um, when it got to a point where finally Umino started putting him in the Boston Crab, I was like, oh, that's pretty much it. And then he fires up, gets to the ropes, and like fights out of it. Yeah, and he actually got almost to the ropes, got dragged to the middle. That's where you're like, oh, it's over. <laughs> then he fired up and got to the ropes, and then you're like, oh my god. Uh, a few seconds later, he got back into the Boston Crab and then finally tapped out, which that's a big deal. I'm not saying that this hasn't happened on maybe, say, like an untelevised show, but I've never seen Suji um, in any of these. Yeah, I mean, matches. It's, it's been a while since we saw Suji, really, right? Yeah, and when and when and in the past, given his career trajectory, just like most young lines, 
he probably would have tapped out to the first like Boston, Boston Crab early on. So the fact that he showed so much spirit and got to the ropes is kind of showing like and dude his drop kick oh yeah he has an bro he's got one of those um one of those awesome like Minoru Suzuki running drop kicks except his is more like a missile like, <laughs> yeah it's awesome yeah and his, yeah. Dude, his chops too were pretty vicious also all these guys looked great and um you know every single young lion has a great drop kick Every single yeah. one of them, like it's, it's like, like yeah, like there's like a special like drop kick day at the dojo. Like yeah. you're not leaving until your drop kick looks good. <laughs> so very very interesting stuff. But uh, Umino and Humora pick up the win. I would give this match a recommendation if you're a fan of the Young Lions or a fan of good wrestling. Uh, I keep your eyes on Suji, guys. Keep yeah. your eyes on this guy. He's he. I know when he first came out, he wasn't my favorite, but man, he's really impressing me. Yeah, man. Um, I can't wait to see more. I can't wait for the next, you know, Lionsgate show or Lions Project or something to see this guy get some more one on one matches. I want to see him beat up uh, Kitamura. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, so that brings us to the next match of the night Ayato Yoshida taking on Chase Owens. This is what I'm talking about, Jeremy. This is what I meant. Very rarely do we get young Lions in special singles matches. Yes, I know we do from time to time, but Yoshida's got a singles match. Um,. That just is very interesting to me because I'm like, what? what is the point of this? Are they trying to test him out or are they like trying to break him? Like what's the – you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I, to me I, I kind of feel like he's almost like – almost like a, that's maybe like a developmental kind of like deal kind of gimmick. And um, yeah, they're, I want to say maybe I – feel, I feel like they've seen enough of him where they kind of want him on the roster. But they're kind of like easing him into the roster. Right. You're not quite a young boy. But you're not quite experienced, so we gotta start you down at the bottom of the card. You're an outside guy. Right. You're, you're gonna you're, you're gonna, gonna be outsider. yeah. You're gonna be in a couple of opening matches. Um, you know, you're gonna eat some L's for a while. But I, I feel like they definitely want him on the roster. But they're kind of easing him into New Japan. That's a good way to put it. That actually that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I I would say I'd agree with that. But uh, yeah, this match with uh, Chase Owens, nothing special. Uh, you know, Yoshida. Good-looking kid, good-looking prospect. Obviously, um, he eats a package pile driver. The one thing I thought that was funny about it was um, before he ate the package pile driver, Chase Owens was giving him a lot of offense. Yeah. A lot, a lot. And actually, I don't know if you noticed this. After the match was over, um, Chase Owens walked up to the camera, and he's like, I dislocated my shoulder. And you were like, what? No, I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I mean, he worked the next night, so, I yeah. mean, I don't know how serious that... Maybe he was just in character, but... Yeah, working. So, yep, Chase Owens, uh, the crown jewel of all pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, with Chase Owens, you could always expect, like, a smart, simple... No, not smart, not simple, masterful, okay? <laughs> tactician. He's a masterful tactician. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next up, we got a eight-man tag with Makabe, Michael Elgin, David Finley, and Toa Hanare taking on Bullet Club, Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Taiji Ishimori. Uh, pretty similar to the previous night's Bullet Club match. It is interesting how when Tama is in these multi-man matches, how he comes off like a star because he's so protected versus how he can't get away with that sort of thing in a singles match. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in these in these multi-man matches, the guy looks great. And you, and you like watch him and you just wonder. You're like, 
why aren't they doing more with him? But then you watch G1 and you're like, that's, that's why. why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, how about, um, what are your thoughts on Dave Finley being in all these multi-man matches? Obviously, he doesn't have a big upcoming title defense on the Destruction Tour, and obviously Cody's not here, but well, actually, he's got a big match yeah, coming up with Cody. What? You mean Finley? Did I say Finley? I meant... Uh, you meant Juice? Yeah, but, what but, am I talking about? Juice is not even in this match. Yeah, what I am like, I <laughs> I was like, well, Finley does have a match. They have a, uh, a never six-man title match coming up, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Taguchi Japan is going to be challenging for these six-man tag titles. I don't yeah. know what I, why I even said that. I'm just tired. Guys, if if you hear me rambling or saying crazy stuff or I've got crazy takes, you got to forgive me. I am exhausted today. <laughs> new job, new work hours. I'm drinking coffee as we record, and it's 7.53 at night, Like, and I've been <laughs> drinking coffee all day, and I'm, yeah, I'm delirious, so. Um, but with that being said, uh, this is everything that you would have expected from an, a Bullet Club match. Again, Ishimori's, Ishimori's the, star. the star. I mean, he's just, he looks great. Um, Makabe, Elgin, Finley, Hanari. I really like the interactions between Elgin and Ishimori in these matches, by yeah. the way. Again, I mean, Ishimori's another one of these guys that's like, yes, I get he's small, he's a junior, but I would love to see him in but a heavyweight he, defense. He's really small though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he's like Mysterio's size, and you know, Mysterio's been in the heavyweight division. So, I mean, I would love to see you know Ishimori like if they actually use like the never open weight belt to have like heavyweight first junior matches. Like Ishimori is a guy that you know could easily have great matches with heavyweights. Yeah, but Rey Mysterio wears a mask. Bone Soul, he wears a mask. He's not even working no, it, though. No, no, no. <laughs> the only reason Rey Mysterio beats bigger guys is he's a superhero, essentially. That's the only reason. Ishimori, he's just, you know, he's just, he's small, man. No Look way. at him, he's puny. He's puny, bro. <laughs> maybe, if, maybe if you put a mask on, like, maybe. Um... <laughs> uh. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. You know, Bullet Club gets to win again. Uh, gun stun on Hanare. No, all seriousness, um, in all seriousness, though, like, the way he's been setting up the, uh, the yes lock, and then, like, keeping, like, trapping the other arm and rolling the guys back in, like, that, that. that's been dope. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, I, I, you know what? I, I literally don't know, like... He is one of the guys where I do see him as being, like, in a way too small to, like, beat up big guys in New Japan. Am I crazy for that? I, I don't know. I feel like there are certain guys, like, I, I could see him, like, in a match with Okada, Tanahashi, Omega. Like, I could see him having competitive matches with those guys. Yeah, but, like, beating them? I don't know, man. Oh, beating them, but having a competitive match with them. Yeah, but we talked earlier how we were like, yeah, we want to see these guys come out of the juniors. And, like, and win, but... I literally could not yeah. imagine Ishimori beating those guys. Yeah. I mean, they it's pro wrestling, so, I mean, anything could happen. But in my mind, maybe I'm just, like, old-fashioned. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, yeah. see him, like, beating up, like... You see him beating up Ishii? I don't... I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Yeah. There's not there's not many people that could beat up Ishii, even, even the, heavyweights. King of the juniors. Okay. <laughs> but uh, that brings us to the next match. We got another uh, tag match with uh, Hiroki Goto team, teaming with Yoshihashi, taking on Taichi and Kanemaru, which was very similar to the night before, but with worse tag team partners. Yeah. You got uh, Hiroshihashi out there, Kanemaru. 
I mean, again, nothing. I mean, this is a match that's easy, skippable. skippable. Very skippable, especially uh, given the fact that it ends on a uh, DQ. DQ. Uh, Taichi hits Goto with the mic stand. And they jumped Goto before the bell. You would think he would have learned from the night prior, but I, yeah. apparently not. Um, this was just okay. It wasn't even, I wouldn't even put it in good territory. Yeah. Um, nothing about it, though, really makes me excited about watching Goto and Taichi. Yeah, same here, I'm man. not saying that they can't deliver when the match actually comes. But just this, the the build to it. The build to it is nothing it's, to me. I could do without yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's whatever to me. And it's something I thought they should have done, like three months ago, four months ago, when they gave that title run to uh, Elgin. So yeah. you know. But yeah, next up, um, eight man tag action. Another Lij Suzuki Goon. Obviously Naito, Evil Bushi, and Sonata. Suzuki Goon being Suzuki, Uska, Desperado, and Taka. And, you know, pretty much same Skip old, it. same old Skip as the it. first match. It's the same thing. Rinse, wash, repeat. It's the exact same yeah. thing. Except the only difference was the finish. Um, I mean, LIJ, LIJ still wins this time. It was Bushi hitting the MX on Taka. Taka. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Um, I mean, it's literally the same crap that you saw the night before. You know, in a they were in Corkin again, right? Yeah. Yeah. I so, think I so, mean, yeah. Um, and then we got, you know, the, the stuff with Suzuki and Naito afterwards. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, let's just move on. <laughs> yeah, next up, six-man tag. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Toriyano, and Will Ospreay against Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Yujiro Takahashi. So pretty much a rematch from good. night one, just adding in um, Yano and um, Takahashi, Yujiro Takahashi. Um, and yeah, again, I mean... This was good. I mean, it was in no way the heated, you know, epic match that you got out of the, you know, the tag match in the main event the night before, and it didn't have to be. This was about half the time, so it was basically just a sprint, but very, very fun, very, very good. Um, Kenny Omega actually had some comments after the show talking about how, like, Tomohiro Ishii can never have fun in the ring, even when, like, Toriyano's involved. Right. <laughs> which which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, they have the one spot here where all of them were, like, grabbing each other's hair. <laughs> and then, like, Omega, like, tries to grab Omega Ishii. tries to grab Ishii's hair, and he just can't. And Ishii's just, like, looking at him like, you fool. <laughs> um, so that was pretty funny. But, yeah, this, this was great. Um... Chaos ends up uh, getting the win. Yeah, Yano, once again, low blow cradle. Yep. This time was on uh, Yujiro. Yujiro and Yano is hilarious, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love, yeah, those, their interactions were great, too. And I think, was Peter there that night? Yeah. 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 Peter. She had to uh, aid Yujiro after that low blow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that takes us to the um, main event of the night, Hiroshi Tanahashi and uh, Juice Robinson on Kazushiko Okada, Trent Beretta. Yeah, man, I thought this was another good matchup. Yeah, Solid. Yeah, tons of action. It, like I mentioned before, anytime you get Okada and Tanahashi in the ring together, their interactions are always going to be great. Um, I'm really excited for their matchup coming up. Although, I will say this, like, nothing about it... Ha- like you don't gotta do anything to get me excited for their matches. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm gonna be excited because it, it's it's Tanahashi and Okada, and who would have thought in 2018 we were gonna get a trilogy out of these guys? You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Like it's funny. Uh, that might be a feud of the year candidate. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Rich, uh, shout out Rich, Rich Lada um, from Social Suplex was here on Friday. We were watching. Um, on night one, we were like, I wonder if like Japanese fans like are like, man, here we go again. Okada and Tanahashi, <laughs> same old crap, man. 
booking this crap again. Like, how many times are we going to see this? Like like Orton and Cena? T- yeah. Oh, my God. I don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think so either. But it would be funny if, like, if secretly like they were... <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's diminishing returns with this match. You know Right. I mean? I mean, every time we do it, it's not going to be as... There's a reason it's happening at Destruction and not at... King of Pro Wrestling. King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. But with that being st- the case... Um, I mean, this is a match that wrestling fans still get excited about. It still does business. Like, um, I'm excited for it. Uh, I don't think this build is anything like remarkable, mm-hmm. um, but it's because of the, the the fact that these two guys are kind of in flux. I mean, Tanahashi. Now, how about Tanahashi carrying the new briefcase? Yeah, it's uh, got his specially designed um, mm-hmm. G1 Climax briefcase. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, nothing here is really, like, uh, leading me to think, like, you know, that this is a fantastic build. I thought the build to their match at Dantaku was was much better than yeah. what, what we're getting right now. The, the one thing I was worried about in this match, I was worried about Beretta pinning Juice and Juice having to have another potential challenger. That's what I wanted to ask you about. So now that we're at that point, let's talk about that. So Juice... Um, not only has he been in a lot of tag matches on this tour, obviously, he's kind of not been highlighted in any major way, and he, he is a title holder. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that with the fact that he does have, even though on this specific tour, no, he does not have a title challenge coming up, but he does have a title match coming up against Cody, who's yeah. red hot off the heels of All In, winning the NWA title, and it seems like Juice right now is just a guy on the roster. Yeah. I think it's hard for a couple reasons. I think, well, first of all, just the way they book him. Yes, he is a champ. He's a U.S. champ now, but they still kind of book him in this underdog kind of role. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, too, uh, Cody's not on his tour, so it's, it's kind of hard to you know heat that feud up with Cody not being there. I mean, they could give Juice some more uh, shine in these tag matches and heat him up a little bit more. But yeah, I mean. Uh, there are other, you know, programs and title matches that are more important than the U.S. match, so he kind of has to take a back seat for right now um, to some of the bigger feuds. Well, the good news there is Juice did end up counting, countering the Dude Buster and uh, picked up the win with the Pulp Friction on Beretta, uh, 21 minutes and 15 seconds. Um, you know, very good action-filled match, uh, you know, building up Tanahashi and Okada. Um, we, we got the, you know, the face-off with Tanahashi and Okada at the end of the match. And, you know, Juice and Beretta got some time to shine. Feels like with Beretta teaming with Okada, he's kind of uh, filling that role that Chucky e. T's been had to fill for him while he was gone. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of assume, like, if Beretta had never got injured, he probably would have been, like, a regular tag partner of Okada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's going to bring us to um, September 9th. Yeah. Road to Destruction, otherwise known as Blue Justice 8. Yep, yep, yep. And we kicked off with the ongoing rivalry. This is a rivalry of the year uh, candidate. Uh, Yoda Suji and Yuya Uemura. And man, this was some good stuff between these guys. Yeah, so this was um, this was very, very surprising to me when the match started. Obviously, we, we talk a lot about how w- these young lion matches tend to have fundamentals, tend to have the basics and all that sort of thing. But this match... Their grappling is so much better than it was a few months ago. Oh, dude, it's like honestly, like those first few minutes, I felt like I was watching an amateur wrestling match. Yeah. The way they were grappling, the moves they were doing, and just how quick and how intense they were. When when I see um, 
you know, when I see that type of wrestling happen in, in New Japan, and another match that comes to mind was from the uh, Best of Super Juniors tour this past year, uh, the match between Sho and Kushida, mm, yeah. which is a really good grappling-based yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. When I see these types of matches, it just throws me back to that Fujinami and, and Ryuma Go matches from the, the late 70s, 78, 79. Um, this, this screams that to me all day. The early grappling sequences, you won't find smoother grappling in modern wrestling today. I mean, this stuff was high, high level yeah, caliber. Dude. Very impressive stuff from both men. Yeah, and once again, Suji unleashes that nasty drop kick. Yep. Man, drilled uh, Yuya. And, and Su- you know, they, they've kind of been telling the story. I don't know how many times these guys have wrestled now, but Suji and Yamura, they've opened up a number of New Japan shows, neither man being able to, to pick up a win over the other guy. They've gone to 10-minute draws. I think they've gone to 15-minute draws. And this was no exception to the rule. Dude, the, the pop when one of these guys finally beats each other, I feel it's going to be huge. They're going to have to do it in, like, Cork, and they're going to have to do it somewhere where people remember, because I feel like if they do it, like, in a place like this, like, where were they this night? Shiba? Yeah. Or Beppu? I think it was Shiba. Okay. So, I mean, um, you know, with that being the case, I'm like, I don't know if you want to do it. And, uh, no, yeah, it has to be, yeah, Cork and Hall, um, but that when one of these guys finally wins, it's going to be, like, a big moment. Now, one thing I think that's interesting is that... Um, you know, in the past, we've had situations where one guy is about to beat the other guy and he has him in a submission hold or something like that. But instead, in, on this night, Suji was um, trying to make Yumura tap out. Yumura ended up getting to the ropes. Uh, they ended up doing a, a strike battle to close out the match. And then both men hit each other with drop kicks and ended flat on their backs with the time expiring. So we're nowhere near being to a place where one guy seems to have the upper hand over the other. They're, right. they're presenting them like equals. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, very, very, very interesting. I wonder just, how long that this whole thing is going to continue there's on. There's only one way to solve this. Cage match? No time limit. <laughs> no, you need to do it. Steel cage match. That That's the only way to solve everything. Steel cage matches always work, Jeremy. <laughs> if they didn't, everyone would still be in the cage. <laughs> Michael Scott. <laughs> uh, but that brings us to the next match of the night. Michael Elgin, Ayato Yoshida, Shota Umino, and Ren Narita taking on Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tingaloa, and Taiji Ishimori. Again, rinse and repeat, road two shows. I think this is one of the only like major criticisms we've we really have when it comes to these road two shows. I get I, I understand that, you know, it's a touring business and they go to different places, but you're uploading this on you know, world. Right. Because all the, they don't always upload every single house show right. in the world. Right. And so it's like, if you want to do the same match night after night after night on a tour and not put it on world, hey, by all means. it's. It, but, you know, when you got diehards like us, and we're watching this stuff, I'm like, ah. You know, it, yeah. it, it's the necessary evil that you kind of have to tolerate. Yeah. To get through all the goodness that this company gives us. So I'm not in any way burying the company, but at the same time, man, I mean, how many eight-man tags can I get with with OG Bullet Club? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and poor, poor uh, Elgin. He was doomed. He had Yoshida, Umino, and Narita on his team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was basically like the young boys 
and Elgin. And you're like, I remember when Elgin came out, you're like, I wonder who's going to win this match. Yeah. <laughs> um, Narita actually, again, I've said this before, just keeps impressing me. His in-ring acumen, he's just getting so good. But he ends up uh, getting caught by the yes lock. Ishimori uh, taps him out. Eight minutes, 55 seconds. And that was all she wrote. Yeah. Uh, I will say this before we move on. I thought that this night in particular, given that they weren't in Cork and given that the crowd, until the main event, that the crowd really just was not into this, this was probably the hardest show to get through. And also one of the weakest of the three. Yeah, definitely. Um, So next up we had... um Hiroki Goto and Ghetto against Tai Chi and Desperado. Ah, Goto smartened up on the third night of the tour <laughs> and realized, oh, this guy might try to attack me with a freaking mic stand again. Right. And he cut him off. Yeah, caught Finally. Him. Yeah, sparked him at the beginning. Um, but again, just okay. Despi hits the pinche loco at 11 minutes and five seconds. I don't know that this match needed. 11 minutes and 5 seconds. This could, have gone, this could have gone like 5 minutes and I would have been fine. Yeah. Um, same stuff we've been seeing the whole time. Um, Goto and Taichi. I have a feeling Goto and Taichi might be a little bit of a sleeper. But if, it, if it's just average, it's I'm not going to be surprised. I, I'm, a, I'm happy for Taichi, but I'm just like, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, is Goto going to make this guy a star? I don't. I don't know. I don't really know if I see that. Yeah. Also, I want to also address this. Tai Chi might have moved up to heavyweight, but this dude did not buy new tights. No, he's still wearing junior tights. He needs new tights like yesterday. Yeah. Like yesterday. (laughs) It's getting egregious at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is a family show. You know, we. (laughs) I'm serious, bro. You know, um, people want to, like, you know, talk about how he flicked off like Harold Mai and all that, and I'm like, that's not the offensive thing that he's been doing. It's when he rips those pants off and, he, yeah. and he's got those those tiny little tights on. I'm like, dude, like, you know, there's little kids in the front row. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> Damn, pal. <laughs> Put that thing away. So, um, Naito, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi taking on Suzuki, Iska, Kanemaru, and uh, Takamichinoku in the next match. Um, I don't know if the matches are actually getting worse. Or if it's just diminishing returns, but um, this yeah, same old, same old. Um, I mean, I, there's nothing really to add here. Same old stuff. Suzuki Gun jumping for the bell. Wild brawl throughout the match. Suzuki and Naito trying to kill each other. Comes out to the end. Um, Bushi gets the MX on Taka. Post match, Naito and Suzuki are still at each other's throats. One, two, three. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could literally watch one of these matches from any from any of these nights, and you would know what happened. Semi. Oh no, this is not the semi main event. Uh, next match, we had uh, Kazushiko Okada and Yoshihashi taking on uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toa Hanare, and um, very again, very similar to what we've seen, except in this case. Um, we saw Toa Hanari tap out to that crappy butterfly lock. <laughs> Man, that butterfly lock is horrible. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, nothing tells you you're a geek on the in this roster worse than tapping out to Yoshihashi's butterfly lock. Like, I feel like that's a rib. <laughs> I feel like that is literally like a rib. Like, hey, kid, when you get out there, you're tapping to the butterfly lock. You're like, dang it. <laughs> Oh, man. Can I just work with the Young Lions? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that happened. And um, 
Yeah, uh, it was overall a good match. It wasn't the best of what we've seen of Okada and Tanahashi on this yeah. tour. Um, you know, there's nothing really noteworthy that occurred, but you know, this wasn't in no way bad. Yeah. So then uh, next up, we had Chaos versus Bullet Club Elite. It was Ishii, Toriyano, uh, Beretta, and Will Ospreay against Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. Yeah, so um, essentially we ended up with, you know, the Golden Lovers and then, uh, you know, the all the, the rest of the guys that are in the Bullet Club that are not part of the Elite. <laughs> well, they're, they're part of the Bullet Club Elite. I, I mean, I guess... I don't know what you want to label these guys. I mean, for. they clearly it's like on commentary. It's, there's Bullet Club Elite and Bullet Club OG. That's stupid. <laughs> it's like Wolf Pack and Black and White. That's dumb. <laughs> that that's literally like when it starts. Like that's when you know that you need to kind of kill the angle because that was like the downward point of the NWO. That's like when it became like, all right, it's time to. In hindsight, you look back at it and it's like that's one of those awful times they should have killed it. Yeah, but I gotta say. I love me some NWO Wolfpack, and I love me some Bullet Club Elite. <laughs> hey, that's fine. It doesn't. It, it, do, it doesn't make the angle good. Just because you like the group doesn't make the angle good at all. Um, but with that being said, we got chaos here. Uh, Trent Toriano, Ishii, Will Osprey. Um, this was good. Um, again. Same thing, a little bit of diminishing returns. We started off with that incredible tag match, then we got a very good, you know, six-man tag, and then we ended up with, uh, you know, your standard run-of-the-mill, you know, New Japan, you know, eight-man tag. Yeah. And hey, these guys have been working really hard, so I'm not gonna, like, sit here and criticize them for kind of, you know, taking some time off. Everything that these guys have done has been really good, especially, again, when it comes to the Ibushi and Will Ospreay stuff and the Omega and Ishii stuff. Yeah, I mean, these guys were having a little bit of fun in this match with, you know, the uh, the wishbone, leg uh, split spot. That was that was entertaining, yeah. 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 So this was, this was fun. This was very entertaining. We ended up uh, with the Chaos team picking up the win. Um, Trent basically uh, escaped the package pile driver, hits the dude buster on uh, Chase Owens for the one, two, three. And like I said before, it does seem like they're trying to heat Trent up a little bit. Uh, what for? I mean, obviously him coming back from, uh, you know, Injury. Injury. I think. I think right now they're just kind of reintroducing him. Like, hey, he's back. Here yeah. he is. He before he left, he he made that switch to heavyweight, had a U.S. title match. So kind of like reminding fans, like, hey, this guy's a serious contender. Did he have a U.S. title match against Kenny? Oh yeah, against Kenny. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. So yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. So then next we had the main event of the night with Nakanishi. Tenzan, Nagata, and the returning Satoshi Kojima taking on Togi Makabe, Hanma, Juice Robinson, and David Finlay. And if you listen to this show, you know I am a Kojima mark, and uh, I was very happy to see Kojima back. Gear is looking raw, looks in great shape. I thought I was, he looked pretty good in the ring. Yeah, I was Cozy's back. I was happy to see Kojima come back. Obviously, you know, the crowd, there was a sea of orange when he came out. Um, this actually was pretty cool. This was the uh, first Blue Justice show that uh, Nagata's done that uh, drew over 2,000. So he, he actually made mention of that online, which was pretty cool. Obviously, everybody was very excited to see Kojima return. And then, you know, uh, I guess the idea of seeing all the, you know, third generation guys 
you know, tag together Kojima, Nagata, Tenzan, and Nakanishi. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, that being said here, um, yeah, there was some nostalgia here. Yeah, it was a cool moment, but I really, aside from that, given there, this wasn't really for me, honestly, if, if I'm just being honest about the match. Um, you know, I could really do it without the third generation guys. <laughs> um, and th- okay, I don't want to make a broad statement like that because I do think ultimately Nagata can still go. I thought that Kojima had a great accounting of himself, and we'll see, you know, what he has left in the tank. But at this point, Nakanishi and Tenzan, they gots to go, man. Yeah, man. They gots to go, dude. Like, yeah, they're they're rough. And you know what? Hanma, like, since he's come back from from injury, he's had some cool moments. But the way he moves, it scares me, bro. Yeah, dude. It Han- scares me. Hanma, it, I legitimately am worried about Hanma when he's wrestling. Yeah, me too. Like, and it's that's not a disingenuous, like, you know, oh, like, he was injured. Like, nah, bro, the way he moves, he's he doesn't move like he was moving before. And, you know, there's probably people who are listening who are like, well, you know, he broke his neck, you know, cut All him right. some slack. And I'm like... Hey, I get that. And it's not even that I'm saying he's not entertaining or, or anything like that. It's more like I'm scared watching him move. It Something seem, feels right. off. And I'm I mean, like, we've seen guys in wrestling break their necks before, and they do come back, and they, they are probably not themselves, but they're pretty close to the level of what right. they used to be. Right, right. But the, and I'm not saying that he, hey, I'm not a doctor. Right. You know, all I'm saying is the eye test for me Watching Hanma move, I know he's always been a stiff guy, but you know the way he moved has always been a little awkward. But man, it is—it's frightening. <laughs> I don't know if it's maybe a hesitation or a hesitance due to the injury that he suffered, but like, yeah, obviously Makabe isn't what he used to be, and I mean right. he can go when he needs to go. But this match to me was—you know—it it, did—it did what it needed to do. Um, you know, if you're gonna do a, you know, New Japan Dads match. This is probably the time to do it on a Blue Justice show. But at this point, as the main event of a Rosie show, <laughs> that I've got to, like, as far as my entertainment as a fan, I could do without it. Like, I really enjoyed the Shibata angle with the New Japan Dads from a couple years ago. But I'm pretty much done with this, you know? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I know you were happy, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I was excited to see Kojima back. And I think for me, I was just kind of focusing in on him and how he was doing in the matchup. Um, and I mean, I think he looks good coming off the yeah. the injury. Maybe I'm being a little overcritical. It's not like these guys needed to do a blow away or anything Right. Like I that. mean, you kind of know what you're expecting when they announce this match as a main event. Like, In a pretty- way, this kind of reminded me of like the... Uh, you know when they did the super strong machine like right you, you, you know what you're getting like you're not expecting a blowaway main event you're expecting to get all these guys hit their, their high spots like you know you're gonna get tenzon doing his mongolian chops you're gonna get nakanishi doing torture racks uh you know you get you get kojima uh, doing koji cutters and his you know chop machine gun chops in the corner so it's pretty much, you know, popping for like kind of like these signature moves and stuff like that. And um, in the end, it came down to um, Kojima and Tenzon. They hit the Tenkozi cutter and Kojima hits his lariat on uh, David Finley and gets the win for the team. Crowd is happy, excited that Kojima's back. They celebrate Kojima, celebrate um uh, 
Nagata, all New Japan dads. Happy moment, you know, I think that when uh, Kojima gets in front of a bigger crowd, you know, I think that will also be a pretty cool moment. Obviously, it's not going to be a main event like this, but right. I think the crowds are going to be happy to see Kojima come back. Right. So, all in all, I did think that this was the weakest of the nights. Um, you know, the only the only thing really I would say, go out of your way. You have to see it's can't miss would be that opening t- or that uh, main event tag match on the first night um, between, you know, um, Golden Lovers and Ishii and Osprey. Everything else, you know. Um, I will say this, though. It was kind of like, you know, lots of times with these destruction shows, you kind of get rewarded. Mm-hmm. And I kind of didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was getting a little bit punished. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not so used to feeling. Like, usually I'm like, like yeah, yeah. Like, they're really, you know. But this this wasn't really that, honestly. Yeah. Um, with all that being said, we've got some, we've got some um, you know, Destruction uh, tour shows coming up. Obviously, we've got three really, really big matches coming up. Um, you know, next week we have the on the first night we have Kenny and Ishii. On the second night uh, next Monday, which we may be delaying our uh, coverage, we might be recording on next Tuesday and dropping Wednesday. Right. We may be watching it Monday and then recording yeah. that night and then coming to you at our regular uh, a lot of time. We'll let you guys know. Yeah, just make sure you're subscribed, follow us, and we'll keep you updated on that. But next Monday night, it's going to be um, Naito and Suzuki. And then the following week, we have uh, Tanahashi and Okada going, going at each other for the um, briefcase. So... Let's briefly, I know we've already done a preview show, but let's briefly discuss, given that the Destruction, you know, tour, the Road to Destruction tour shows are over, you know, what are your thoughts on these three matches and where, where you know, what do you see happening? Where are we, where are we going from here? So Omega Ishii, I'm very excited to see those guys in the ring again based off of, you know, their match in the G1 and mm-hmm. some of the interactions we've seen on this Row 2 show. Um, I think it's going to be a banger. I expect it to be another match of the year candidate. Um, those guys are going to go out there. They're going to kill each other. So, yeah, out of, out of all three of those matches, I think this is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I think I'm I'm very, very, very excited about that match, obviously. Um, Ishii has, they've been doing a fantastic job making him look like a killer on this tour. That's one of the, that's one of the few matches that they've built up that I, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, you guys have done a good job. I'm very excited for this yeah, match. Yeah, I'm ready for that. With that being said, I don't think that there's any way at all <laughs> that Ishii uh, lifts the title off of Kenny. Um, now, we've kind of discussed some Wrestle Kingdom um, scenarios, you know, whether or not Omega will be carrying the title into uh, Wrestle Kingdom or not. You know, and most people have said, well, of course he's going to because Ishii, you know, they're not going to put the title on Ishii and have Ishii go into Wrestle Kingdom with the title. That was when we were supposing at the time that this match was going to be taking place on King of Pro Wrestling. Now that we know that it's not, it's like, well, King of Pro Wrestling's coming up. Who's Kenny going to defend against? So I am kind of wondering, well, where do you think Kenny, if Kenny Omega does beat Ishii, like we're assuming he will be, mm-hmm. where do, where does he kind of go from there? You know, what do you see happening at King of Pro Wrestling? And do you see him going into Wrestle Kingdom with the title? I do see him going into Wrestle Kingdom as a champion. I mean, I really think that Omega Tanahashi match is a it's lot. Happen. Yeah. I mean, they've done so a great job of protecting it. I think that's the game plan. Omega Tanahashi. Um, 
King of Pro Wrestling, I mean, they could do uh, him and Ibushi. Do you think that's where, where we're going? I mean, as of right now, I mean, that's the only person I really see. He's the only person that, he, I mean, he has a pinfall victory over Omega. Um, so so with that being said, there's some interesting things I kind of want to bring up. So Kota Bushi was recently interviewed by Tokyo Sports, and he said before departing to Chicago, he said that he was feeling alienated by his partner, Kenny Omega, because of comments Omega had made after their match at the G1, where Omega basically said he wanted to make a new star, so he gave the win away to uh, Kota Bushi. Yeah. And then later on, uh, um, Chris Charlton, shout out to Chris Charlton, at Reason JP, um, he was um, translating some of Kotobushi's tweets uh, just from a few days ago. This was on September 8th, so we're talking about two days ago. Yeah. And he said, all these years wasted before getting on the same page all of a sudden. Sure was worth it, huh? What's going inside? What's going on inside Kenny's head? Did I make the right decision here? Everything's getting decided on a whim. Ah, I'm blabbing too much. Ignore me. At two in the morning, no less. Yeah, and something I forgot to mention at the end of that um, that Bullet Club match on night three when they lost. Okay. I don't know if you noticed yeah, you that. You mentioned something. That yeah, I, I'm not sure what you were gonna. Bushi looked really pissed off. Really? Like, like he was over this Bullet Club crap. Hmm. Like. Like, I didn't I, pick up on that. Yeah, like go back and look at it. Like he looked like he was fed up, frustrated. Like I signed up for Golden Lovers. I did not sign up for Golden Elite. I did not sign up for Bullet Club Elite. I didn't sign up for any of that stuff. Like these guys are making me lose. You know your little buddies, Yujiro and Chase. Like they're. You're, whoa, 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 whoa! Leave Chase <laughs> out of it. Okay? He t- he took the pinfall. Yeah, but. <laughs> Chase and Abushi are boys. Okay, they're, the, they're they're like a tag team of the year candidate right now. Like the gold, the golden jewels. Yeah, the golden jewels, baby. No, uh, but what were you saying? But yeah, so he looked like you know this visually like frustrated and like he immediately like stormed to the back. Like really? Yeah. So huh. to to me, yeah, I think Abushi he's over this Bullet Club crap. He's like, are we golden lovers or nah? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know that they are. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, uh, Kenny actually responded to this, and he was like, because someone had tweeted him about it, and he was like, yeah, he's like, I pretty much just made him some chamomile tea and put him to bed right after that. Um, yeah, he was like, yeah, he gets kind of he gets kind of rambly late at night like that. He's like, I just gave him some chamomile tea and. Don't don't go to bed. Yeah. But with that being said, um, do you think that they're planting seeds for because a lot of people think that we're going to an MSG match with these two guys? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we know that we need given the given the stature of the MSG show, it's going to be some sort of match of that caliber, right? Whether it is that match or not, we don't know. Do you think that this is something that they're going to do at King of Pro Wrestling? Or do you think it's something that they're going to do at, like, MSG? Do you think that they can hold off till April of next year to do this? I mean, I, I think they can hold off. And what about the contract negotiations? Right. Um, first of all, I want to say, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm strongly in the opinion that um, the Bullet Club Elite guys, I feel like they're all going to stay with New Japan and Ring of Honor. Um, I, I don't see them going anywhere. Uh, so I think that Ibushi Omega is a potential for Madison Square Garden. Uh, they could wait if they want to. Um, they could keep this kind of like simmering and like have it boil over then. Uh, King of Pro Wrestling, it's also a possibility. Um, 
I mean, Obushi does have a win over Kenny in the G1. I really, I, I can't think of anybody else right now who would, could challenge Omega unless I just don't do a title match at King of Pro Wrestling. I, I don't know what, see, I'm asking you these questions because I don't know the answers to them myself. Right. It's not like, they're not leading questions so I can be like, aha, you're wrong. Right. I have no idea. Right. I assume Kenny has to defend the title. At King of Pro Wrestling, I'm just assuming, like, right. what, they're doing that, what, at Sumo Hall? Yeah. And he's got to defend the title. So who who could be, who could challenge him? That's what I'm wondering. We haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen in a little while. Hmm. We haven't seen Switchblade. Hmm. That's a possibility. I don't yeah. know. Um, you could, know the, could the winner of Naito and Suzuki? You know, it could be. Hmm. They could do Zack Sabre. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They could do Zack, Zack Sabre. Yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. probably be a good idea. Um, but yeah, the winner of Naito Suzuki, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. You think him and Suzuki? They could, yeah, they could do him they and Suzuki. So, I mean, I guess they have some options, but I'm just wondering. I'm like, wow, you know. I mean, all those options, if you did those options to me, I wouldn't see Kenny dropping the belt. Um, and I would agree with you. He'd probably go into, into Wrestle Kingdom with the title. But uh, going against Ibushi, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Um, it does seem – now, do you think that these guys – obviously, we've talked to people – you know, in the New Japan office, we've talked to different people, and they say, like, these guys don't always have clear direction of what's going on. Right. With the fact that Kenny might be leaving or has the potential to leave, mm-hmm. do you think that him and, like, Abushi know this far in advance that, like, hey, we want to do you guys at MSG? Like, is that something that you think, like, because I know we, we've even heard, like, during different podcasts where Kenny has come out and been like, well, we discussed this match this far in advance and didn't end up happening. Like, do you think that if that was their goal, they would have already discussed it with him? Or do you think this is more like these guys trying to book themselves into a into an angle where because they didn't get the payoff they wanted by because they ended up in, in that semi you know, in that semifinal. Match. Yeah, yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure. I mean they could do a trilogy. I mean they could have Omega Ibushi at King of Pro Wrestling. That's October, and you still then come April. That's still far enough time where it's not quite back to back. Do you think people would be as lit for it at that point? Do you think having it in America would help? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that crowd that's going to that show would eat up an Omega Abushi match. Hmm. I mean, get to see that match live, and if that's the third match, that'll be like the like the third match in the trilogy. So it'd be like the, kind of like the finale of that feud. Um, so yeah, I think those fans would eat it up and would be, would, yeah, I think it'd be good. <laughs> so um, let's move on. Um, obviously, I think we, we both are gonna see, you know, we both ag- agree that there's no way Ishii's gonna be uh, Kenny. Right. Do you think, now let me, before we move on, let me ask you one last thing. Do you think that this will lead to uh, Ishii having a fantastic showing against Kenny, which I think we're gonna see that. Do you think that he moves back down in the pecking order and ha- and like we don't know what he ends up doing, say come Wrestle Kingdom time, or do you think this is something that will elevate him so that he has a more prominent position within the company's rankings come Wrestle Kingdom time? Man, it's so hard to tell because there have been several years where Ishii does great throughout the year, and you're like, oh, he's gonna do something at Wrestle Kingdom, and he winds up in the you know Never Gauntlet or tag. Right. I, I I have to see him in a single or a tag title match with Toriano. However, I do feel like this title match and how well he did in the G one, I feel like he I, I I could see him being in the never open weight title match at Wrestle Kingdom this year. 
Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe even higher. Yeah. Maybe I, we don't know what's happening with the IC belt, but. Well, I don't. I don't know about all that, but yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But um, I'm hoping that my hope is that coming out of G1 and coming out of this title defense, it raises. Obviously, his stock, quote unquote, has been raised. But I don't want them to just see him as the utility guy that they go to on smaller shows to have main events. I want them to see him as a potential upper mid level star. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, what are your thoughts going into the Suzuki and Naito feud? Uh, honestly, I'm not like super pumped for it. Um, I mean, we saw what happened at Wrestling Hainukuni. It was just, you know, the match disappointed. It was a disappointment. But it seemed like the match could have been so much more. I mean, that match had some real excellent moments. Yeah. It just seemed like the structure wasn't yeah. there. I mean, both of these guys are super talented. I love both of these guys. And both I, these guys. I, <laughs> both these guys. And, I, you know, they're definitely capable of having a banger, but I guess it all depends on what's the match layout going to be. Is Suzuki just going to have Naito and Holds majority of the match? Here, um, here's the thing with me, and you don't, you're not going to usually hear this from me, but I'm not really looking for the match quality. That's something you won't generally hear from me because obviously that's why we watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's for the match quality. My whole thing here is, what? Why is this happening? And where do both of these guys go from here? Right. There's no title at stake. There's no number one contendership that we know about at stake. Um, now I'll admit I haven't been looking at the post-match comments, so maybe there's something like a little hidden gem a little nugget that that I'm missing there Mm -hmm. but it does feel like okay we already saw this we already got the payoff it actually seemed more like we were going towards a Zack Sabre Naito feud which Mm -hmm. I would be much more excited to see but instead we're getting him and Suzuki again and it's the same crap and it's not and like we said earlier it's not being done to so even if they have like let's say a great match right they have a really really good match um, then what? What does it mean? Yeah. And that's where that's what matters to me when it comes to this particular match in general. What does this mean? Because we've been wondering all year what is going on with, with uh, Naito. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the million-dollar question. And, you know, earlier in the year I was like, just wait, guys. They're going to heat him up. I was like, wait till – I was like, wait till uh, – <laughs> wait till the Japan <laughs> Cup didn't happen. I was like – Wait till the G1 didn't happen. And now I'm kind of like, oh, crap. What are they doing with Knights? I was like, yeah. wait till wait till Dominion, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. And I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we people question the decision. But, I mean, I don't, we're, we're going to talk about some business stats later on in the news. But New Japan business is hot right now. Hey, I'm not saying that they made the wrong call. Yeah. If you remember, I was the guy who said that he should lose at Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year. Right. But I'm wondering, where is this going? Because yeah. I can't see, like, I can't see the vision for what the idea is with Naito. And this is a guy who was probably their hottest star for two years. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel like he is right now. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's still over. Don't he's still wrong. hot. I mean, the obviously, crowd. Obviously, these are not bad business decisions because he's still over. But yeah. I am wondering. Where are they going with the character? Yeah, that, I have no idea. Yeah, this is hard to tell. 
and and where does this fit into the story of it all? So mm-hmm. it, it just seems a little bit like we're going in reverse for no reason. Right. Uh, the, I feel like there probably could have been another direction they could have gone. But, you know, who knows? I don't know. I'm not the booker. This is one of the more baffling things to me. Um, hopefully we get a great match, but I'm just wondering what what is it all leading to. I don't yeah. know. Um, and then finally we've got the, um, the, the match between Tanahashi and Okada next week Destru- or, or the, the week after the, that. The 23rd, 23rd. Destruction in Kobe. Yeah. And um, this, to me, is the most compelling of all the matches on the, on the Destruction Tour. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a big matchup here. Is Tanahashi gonna drop the briefcase? Nobody has lost a briefcase, but this is—I mean, this is a matchup where it, the chances of Tana dropping the briefcase are high. He's not beaten Okada in a one-on-one match since what, 2012? Yeah, since Wrestle Kingdom Nine. Yeah, so he's failed to beat Okada. Uh, Okada usually wins or it's a draw. He actually had some statements regarding this. Both both of them did. So Tanahashi, during the post-match on uh, September 7th, he said, um, the ace, or he said, <laughs> I know Okada far too well. Please show me the part of you that I've never seen before. But just winning is not enough because I've already lost and drew to him. It won't satisfy me. Then what should I do? I'm looking for something more. And Okada had an interview segment um, to kind of respond to that. And he said, it's obvious, isn't it? Tokyo Dome and the IWGP title, they need me. The answer is there. That's why Tanahashi wants to beat me, isn't it? He needs to beat me in order to get to the Tokyo Dome. You're being naive, aren't you? But the IWGP title, the main event at Tokyo Dome, it's not your place anymore. Well, we're just getting started. There'll be more preview matches. I will get everything out of Tanahashi, and then I will finish him in Kobe. So... Some strong words from both guys. Um, you know, we've seen two incredible, incredible stories from these guys going back to Dantaku and then, uh, you know, during the G1 uh, A Block Finals. And now, now like, we're at a point where prior to this, it kind of seemed like when they went to Dantaku, yes, there was, you know, history on the line. And yes, there was a title on the line. Um and then going into the, the A block finals, both guys were kind of at a at a downward point where they're trying to rise back up. But now we're at a point where for the first time in a long time, Tanahashi is the guy with something to lose. Yeah. And Okada's coming for, for what he has. Right. It's almost like going back in time to when Okada burst on the scene and was challenging Tana for the IWGP title. Do you think do you think that Tanahashi is gonna beat Okada? I do. You do? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I feel Omega uh, Omega Tanahashi's a lock for the dome. I feel like this whole broken Okada stuff, uh, Okada, he's not fully the rainmaker yet. He's still kind of broken. And so in this broken state, Tanahashi could beat him. And I think he is going to beat him and uh, kind of cement his place in the dome. He actually kind of talked um, to recently, um, there's a translation uh, from some statements that Tanahashi had made from uh, a couple weeks ago concerning the G1 and the A block versus the B block and like the attendance. 
and he said the last A Block match followed by the match everybody was hyped for. It drove me from a performance perspective, but it absolutely hurt that attendance was lower. That gap in attendance really sucked. But for all that, we didn't lose out at all. So Saturday, in terms of noise, in terms of reception, it was equal to the B-Block final. Kenny and Ibushi stayed in their own universe. It was great for people that had been along the, with them for that whole ride, but it didn't go beyond that. You needed to know everything, everything that had ever happened between the two of them for it to work. People didn't really realize it was Shibata in my corner. It took appearing on the big screen for the crowd to react. Me and Ibushi was fine, but if Ibushi was going to have Kenny in his corner, the two versus two scenario, Kenny versus Kenny and Cody versus New Japan icons, it made the story clearer. There's a lot of great matches that are just in a vacuum. Nothing's left on the table and nothing gets taken away. This is just my opinion, but there needs to be, uh, be a takeaway and matches need to have a message. So I think like, kind of looking back here, I think the fact that him and Tana, him and uh, Okada, being on the A block night and having probably about similar to, if not equal performances to the Golden Lovers match the next night. Yeah. But drawing about half the crowd, I think that that really got to him. Mm. I also think that with that, with the fact that, um, you know, Kenny and Ishii is probably going to be a near five star match, I think that that's going to drive both Tanahashi and Okada to do another truly remarkable and memorable match. Given the fact that this. We've said it before, and who knows if it's true, but seems like it might be one of the last mig, like mega matches between these two guys on in in the main event of a big card like this. I'm expecting these guys to go out there and just yeah kill it. Yeah, I mean, it's easily it's going to be probably a match of the year. Contender. But at the same time, like like the logical part of me says yes, Tanahashi should win. Yeah, but then I'm like, they're really going to have him go over Okada? Yeah, man, you continue the downward spiral. I know, I know that makes sense. I know that makes yeah. sense, but it's it's still very hard for me to fathom yeah. like Tana, Tanahashi beating Okada after all these years. Yeah, really hard but for I me th- to like. I do think that. that's going to be the loss that makes Okada like snap back to being the rainmaker. Now, what if Tanahashi wins, or I'm sorry, what if Okada wins? Well, then I sound like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a mark. And uh, we get uh, Omega Okada at the dome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right. I think we're going to Okada, Tan- or I'm sorry, Omega Tanahashi in in uh, the Tokyo Dome. So, um, any final thoughts on the Destruction Tour? No, looking forward to that stuff. Uh, looking forward to the uh, you know start of the Junior Tournament and some other great stuff coming up. So yeah. So let's get into some news. All right. So um, September 29th. Um, the day before uh, the, what is it called? Uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. There, there will be a meet and greet at the LA Dojo from 12 uh, p.m. to 3 p.m. Um, so you, if you're in the LA area, I, I believe they're selling tickets. I don't know if they're, they're sold out yet, but um, you might want to check that out. Lots of great talent has been announced for the uh, for the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour. They had originally announced Jushin Thunder Liger, and due to um, uh, different um, obligations, he will not be present for the meet and greet. So if you were going to attend that to meet Jushin Thunder Liger, they have announced that he will not be there, but you can still meet many of the other New Japan superstars, so that's probably worth checking out. Um, also, um, if you get a chance, New Japan has just uh, released California Dreamin' Part 1, which is the first part of their documentary, which will be detailing um, Shibata's recovery. 
and his time in the LA Dojo as the head coach. Have you gotten a ch- chance to check? No, that out? I haven't got a chance to check that out yet. So yeah, I, that's I definitely either. on the uh, the viewing list for this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll let you guys know what we think when we check that out. It's been a hectic week, mm-hmm. new job, different ventures, but we we will be watching that. I have heard nothing but good things though, and I mean. With New Japan's production team, how could it be anything but, you know, stellar and excellent? I do wonder if Rod Grimes is on this. That would be interesting, and we we, we got to get him on the uh, show soon. Yeah, Rod Grimes is a local wrestler out of the Tampa Bay area that we are friends with or, you know, closely associated with. He did spend some time training with uh, the guys in the LA Dojo, so um, we actually do plan to have him on the show at some point to kind of talk about that experience. And I do wonder. I bet you he is on. I bet you he's on this. Yeah, that'd be tight if he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, in other news, so um, Harold Mai just recently did an interview with Kyoto News, talking about you know why the um, you know CEO of a giant corporation would take on the responsibilities of a company like New Japan, which is you know significantly smaller than the comp- than the toy company that he previously previously ran yeah um very 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 good read that was actually just put up a few hours ago so if you get a chance it's kyoto news k-y-o-d-o you definitely want to check that out some of the things that uh harold was kind of talking about he was talking about the, su- the success that new japan's been having um earlier this week um takaki kidani who is the you know Bushi Road's governing body president, um, and also the former president of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He talked. He was talking. He was being interviewed by the local media, and he was talking about some figures that were obtained by Economic Matters, highlighting, you know, basically that New Japan has had the best sales mark in the history of their entire uh, company's history. Um, Chris Charlton, credit him, also translated the interview uh, via Twitter, and he said that uh, this past year, New Japan Pro Wrestling has obtained a total of 4.9 billion yen, which is the essentially the equivalent of 44 million one hundred thousand dollars in sales, which is enough to comfortably surpass their best uh, year previously, which was in 1997. So they're having their most lucrative year they've ever had right now. That's awesome. That's amazing news. Um, this is also going to you know, make them essentially the second best uh, you know, marketable company outside of WWE for the year. So that's excellent, excellent yeah. for them. Um, other things that are going on with them, they uh, just renewed their uh, two-hour program um, on French Channel J1. And there's going to be some European expansions going on because they're about to announce television deals in Belgium, Italy, and uh, across the United Kingdom. So, Boom. I mean, there you go. They're making European strides. You know, we've talked about the U.S. expansion. It sounds like, you know, given the work that they've done with uh, European companies like RevPro. Right. And we know we have that uh, the Strong Style Evolved UK tour. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, Things are just looking really good for New Japan this year. So um, really, 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 you know, really strong numbers, really good news. Um, Aside from that, um, King of Pro Wrestling tickets have gone um, on sale for overseas fans. So if you plan to attend that show and you are a foreigner, you can now obtain tickets to King of Pro Wrestling. Um, Also, Wrestle Kingdom tickets have officially gone on sale for the pre-sale if you are part of the Japanese fan club. Yeah. If you're listening to this in English, chances are you're probably not a part of that fan club. (laughs) Yeah. But, Um, you know, one day, you know, if uh, Esteban and all his efforts come true, man, and we get that North American official fan club. 
I'm starting my own Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so that's awesome. Um, the free match of the week um, is Tiger Taguchi teaming up with Rusher Kimura, taking on the Texas Outlaws, which is the team of Dusty Rhodes, and Dick Murdoch from the New Japan Pro Wrestling Tag League 1981. Mm. You ever uh, you ever seen some Taguchi and Kimura? I have not. <laughs> I'll have to add that to the, the list this week also. This, that's actually a match that I never have seen, but... Oh. Um, Dick Murdoch's Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes stuff in New Japan are some of my favorite stuff that they ever did. I've actually never seen them tag. Oh, that's not true. I have seen them tag, but uh, I've seen them tag in the tag league before. But um, I like their single stuff better from that time period. But yeah, uh, it's free. It was in that, it was released today, so definitely want to check that out. Um, we had some stuff going on this past week with Evil and Y2J. You know, what was what was going on with that, Jeremy? Yeah, so Evil had a post-match promo. One of the nights he said, Let me uh, tell you what I think of you today, Chris Jericho. You said in an interview that Chris Jericho versus Evil is a possibility, didn't you? Uh, oh, lost it. Uh, he said, did you know that there is a limit on how long you can just hold that Intercontinental title? If you're up for it, then I don't mind at all. And so J.J. Uh, Williams from Wrestling Observer tweeted that that screenshots of those quotes and uh, tagged Jericho in it. So then Jericho responded, evil needs to mind his own effing business and tagged New Japan. I mean, I don't expect them to wrestle. <laughs> Again, it's one of those scenarios we talk about where guys kind of kind of say stuff backstage. They kind of like try to shoot their own angle in the promo. But yeah, I, I doubt Jericho's wrestling evil. Um, other news that's going on this week. So obviously Satoshi Kojima has returned to action. So congratulations to Cozy's back to Cozy and the Bread Club is running strong, running hotter than ever. Um, also. Speaking of backstage promos, so both Bushi as well as Ishimori have talked uh, during uh, post-match interviews talking about the upcoming Junior Tag League that will be taking place and how they both have secret partners. So um, obviously with Bushi, traditionally speaking, he probably would have teamed with Hiromu. Right. So I'm guessing we're going to get somebody from CMLL maybe. I would, that's what I was thinking, but I don't know. And then with Ishimori, I is mean, it, is, uh, would, would Rush be considered a junior? He, no. He's a heavyweight? He, I think he's done stuff in the junior league before, but I don't think at this point. I think he's too big. Gotcha. Cause who else Plus, is, he's kind of as a star. star. Yeah, he's, he's a star. Yeah. That. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to remember who's in uh, Los Angeles over there right now. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, that's one way they could go. I'm, I'm not sure. With Ishimori, though, he's also teasing that he's going to have a partner. Obviously, the only other junior that would have been with him at the time would have been like Marty Skrull. Mm-hmm. Uh, but given the stuff going on with the Bull Club, I'm wondering, like, who is Ishimori going to team with during the Junior League? Very interesting. I know he's, he's been an impact. It could be somebody from Impact. Uh, I mean, well, he's I been- do know that Tamatanga was talking about opening up the, uh, the recruitments for the BCOGs. <laughs> yeah, there was actually a video they posted on Twitter. Um, talking about you know recruiting for the Bullet Club, um, which one NWA World Heavyweight Champion did not take, take too, too kindly. To. Yeah, so uh, Cody responded to this tweet. He says, mm, "We're good. We're good here, guys. We've got the best wrestlers in the world. A badass queen. A crazy actor. We've even got a dog. But yeah, I'm sure folks are chomping at the bit to join you and Mr. Juicy's Bullet Club. <laughs> Go to NXT already, please. Nobody gives a shit." 
Which then Tam replied, shh, nobody asked your business. Stop that nonsense talk about NXT. We're committed to New Japan for a very, very long time. But you already know that. So And so do they. Shh. Yeah, so I mean, um, do you think that they're going to be actually recruiting like new members to the BCOGs? And I mean, what's what do you I, see? I mean, there? they, they kind of need to. I mean... Do they? Bull Club Elite's bigger. Bull Club Elite is better. Bull Club Elite wipes the floor at them every time, so. Yeah, but this whole angle sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, this angle sucks. It's like, does, does adding more people to the Bullet Club, and let's, like, let's be real here, even though there's two factions. It's still it's, one. It's one thing. Is adding more bodies to it going to help? I mean, it didn't help when the, and again, going back to the NWO, I mean, the more people they added to it, the worse it got. Yeah. The more they've been adding to it, the worse this thing's been getting. So I'm kind of like, eh. well, well, I mean, the whole thing is like the whole feud was, to me, it was all about Tama and Kenny. And Tama already lost. I mean, yeah, sure, they won the Never Six Man titles, but it's the Never Six Man titles. Yeah. And they're facing the Young Bucks and, you know, Long Beach, but once again, I mean, I kind of, well, I don't know who's going to win that, but again, if they win that, so what? I mean, they're still not taking out, like, Kenny or any of the bigger singles guys in the group, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of just over the, I really don't have any use for the this whole angle to be at this point, really, at all. Mm -hmm. um, but I do wonder, in this particular instance, who's going to team with Ishimori? Who's yeah. going to team with Bushi? And what are the brackets going to be for this junior tag league? And when's it even happening? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, very interesting yeah. stuff. Um, we have some news about uh, um, Bad Luck Fale and his dojo. Um, different students from his uh, dojo, Michael Richards, Andrew Villalobos, Ben Payne, and Nathan McCarter have all been accepted into the New Japan dojo. That's awesome. It is awesome. I think it's kind of interesting that I don't know the nationality of these wrestlers, but given the names Michael, Andrew, Ben, and Nathan, they're all non-Japanese. They're non-natives. Right. So um, it sounds like we're getting an influx of talent to the New Japan Dojo who are not, you know, non-Japanese. Um, it's been a while since we've seen that. Yeah, I mean, like Tohinara is probably what, probably one of the latest young boys who weren't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really think of anybody else in recent. Yeah. So that's very interesting. I mean, um, we'll see like what kind of what kind of students like uh, you know Dojo like Folly's Dojo is producing. It's it's kind of funny. Like you know, earlier this year, Folly had just opened the dojo, and we kind of like talked about it in the news, like it was some sort of like secondary thing. Like oh yeah, Folly opened this dojo, and now all of a sudden it's like. Oh, yeah, he's, like, producing all this talent and it's coming over to New Japan. <laughs> so very interesting stuff. Um, aside from that, last couple bits of news when it comes to New Japan news. So Kenny Omega, congratulations to him. He was listed as number one in this year's PWI 500. Mm -hmm. um, thoughts on that, Jeremy? I mean, Kenny Omega, he's one of my favorite wrestlers. And that guy, I mean... He's just amazing in the ring. And, yeah, man, he's just had a stellar year, and I definitely think that he has earned it. I know PWI is kind of kayfabe and kind of some of the stuff, how they, you know, measure the year and stuff like that. But Now, the, the voting just cut off right after the Dominion match. Yeah. So I think that for a lot of people in their minds, that's kind of what put him over the top, you know, kind of ending Okada's uh, title reign. But do you think that in, realistically, given that amount of time, that he really should have won, given the fact that Okada did have that – legendary title reign during that whole run 
Uh, I guess because I saw some debate online yeah. about that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess we would have to. For me, I guess look back like match to match quality. I mean, I mean those guys are always like a quarter star away from each other in averages, but I don't know. From dominion to dominion, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. Hard to say. Yeah. But, um, and then the last bit of New Japan news kind of go, kind of leading into our other news. So last week we gave our coverage of All In. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't had a chance, definitely check that out. But one thing we forgot to mention was Kota Ibushi getting lost. <laughs> so that was kind of like that was something that was kind of crazy how like we were we were at All In and then um, you know like I remember reading the tweet and they're like yeah so uh, nobody knows where Kota Ibushi is and I was like how does this dude keep getting lost yeah like, it's like why is he like not attached to Kenny's hip why is he traveling alone <laughs> yeah like, like the dude gets lost in his own country where he speaks the language, and then right. you send him overseas, and it's like, yeah, so he was sending out some tweets basically saying, like, sorry, all in, I got lost again. I don't know where I'm at. And it's yeah. like, how's this keep happening? No clue, man. So that was pretty funny. Um, also, if you haven't had a chance to check out All In and you are a New Japan World subscriber, it is now available. It's been available for about a week, but I, yeah. you know, we didn't get a chance to cover that. So uh, that is um, now available to you. Definitely want to check that out if you haven't had a chance to. Speaking of All In, we kind of gave our review, but one thing we haven't had a chance to talk about is these figures. And the All In figures are, they look great. Yeah, man. I mean, so total attendance for the show, 11,263. And right now they are selling a t-shirt that says 11,263 at youngbucksmerch.com. Um, There's been some debate about that number too. What do you? What are your take? What's your take on that? Fans who are kind of like saying it's a fluffed up number, or saying you know, you know, what do you think? I mean, to me, I don't think it is. I mean, yes, I know like WWE a lot of times inflates their numbers, but the whole like, purpose of this show was to beat the number. So I really don't think they were lying about it. I mean, so this number comes from a combination of the 10,541 tickets that were sold in 30 minutes in May, and then they opened up late production seats and uh, people up in the suites, um, and the suites were packed. Um, so pretty much, you know, the whole arena was 100% utilized. Yeah, so I mean, I my whole thing with that is people who kind of criticize the number and they're like, oh, it's not real, whatever. It just, maybe you're right, but what what would be the point of throwing that number out when the whole the whole point to begin with was to get to ten thousand? Get to ten thousand. Is ten thousand so much less impressive, or is eleven thousand so much more impressive? Right. To where it just sounds. And why funny. go eleven thousand two sixty three? It's arbitrary. Yeah. It's like, arbitrary sounding. Like it's it's not like it's not like how you know WrestleMania three you go from seventy to like ninety million. I mean that's a big jump. But I mean you're talking about. What, uh, eleven hundred tickets? Nothing. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just that just sounds kind of outrageous to me. If people really think that, yeah. um, they did end up doing a live gate of four hundred fifty-eight thousand five hundred twenty-five dollars. Yep. Um, this is somewhat. This is where you kind of do get a little bit of a criticism, because these guys sold out in like half an hour. And they pulled in less than half a million for a huge show. Right. I mean, they the ticket prices were really low for the show. They were low. They yeah. were low. I think in hindsight, I think that if you're going to do it 
different, you know, and obviously at the time we did not know, <laughs> nobody knew that they were going to sell this thing out, especially in the amount of time they, they did. Mm-hmm. They might want to have priced those a little bit higher because it yeah. does seem like that's the one place where they left money sitting on the table. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, also, where they left money sitting on the table was the merch. I mean, the, the merchandise sold out at 3.30 uh, p.m. The doors opened at 3, so all the shirts were gone in 30 minutes. They, they sold out all their merchandise. Uh, Fight TV ended up grossing more than $1 million in pay-per-view revenue between StarCast and all-in iPay-per-view I sales. You got to think that the majority of that is all-in buys. Yeah. I mean, I, who would buy StarCast? <laughs> right. I don't know. So, yeah, that's it's probably going to be um, observers estimating about 20,000 iPay-per-view orders from Fight Really? Yeah. Um, StarCast ended up selling about 11,000 tickets. Uh, Pro Wrestling Tees did just under 500K of t- uh, t-shirt sales. And High Spots had its biggest merchandise merchandise day ever at a convention. So, I mean, um, this is incredible. The WGN uh, zero yeah, hour numbers. 196,000 viewers on WGN. Which is huge for that, that TV station. So, I mean, um, yeah, this is just nothing i mean these numbers basically say nothing but like this was just a flat out success yeah i mean there's no other real way that you could interpret it other than that so i mean um hats off to those guys all in you know it's this week has been very like crazy it's like it's like the wrestling world before all in and then the wrestling world after all yeah dude i'm i've been in like all in depression man really <laughs> yeah man I'm I'm kind of glad it's over. <laughs> it was fun, but I'm I'm ready for uh I'm ready for some new stuff, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's been it it was really really good. So, um, talking about news from the outside, so we we know that the Young Bucks just uh, came out with their children's book. It looks like Cody is taking a page from um, them, and he will be releasing his own children's book later in the year, which will also center around the um, the adventures and the stories of the elite. So, Cody, I've already seen some artwork. It looks like he's working with the same guys that probably made the, the Young Bucks. Yeah, book. well, they said it's part of the Elite series. Gotcha. Which is another thing that makes me say, yeah, like... they stay together. Right. It's like, you're going to start this whole, like, book series and project and then, like, go to WWE? Now, one thing that's interesting, um, we didn't really get into this too much. I know last week we talked about the curtain call at the end of All In um, and how everybody was present except for Marty Skrull. Yep, and we kind of had some speculation about what that meant, and you know what the reason was. And over the past week, different stories have kind of been, you know, triculating and you know, kind of going out there. And so there were people that were saying that basically, that the that the story was that because Marty went over his time, they basically told him to stay in the back. <laughs> um, well. Marty Skrull was on the Sean Mooney podcast uh, earlier this week, and it seemed like he had kind of a deferring story to that. Right. I mean, he said he only went one minute over his time. He said that the show was already running 14 minutes over. The Bucks told him not to cut anything out of his match. and Yeah. And then he said the whole reason that he missed the curtain call at the end was because he was taking a shower. Yeah. He wasn't aware that they were going to do that. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? you think that's true? 
I mean, you think he's trying to save face? Like, what do you think? I, it's so hard to tell. I mean, we'll never know, truly know what happens. Uh, happened because we weren't back there. I mean, his you know, response to the logical excuse uh, that Okada match was right before. I can imagine we want to take a nice long shower after that match and kind of, you know, get ready, get packed up and get ready to, you know, for the post-match dinner or whatever. So, and, you know, this is not a high-tech, you know, backstage area. They didn't have, you know, a bunch of monitors on the backstage for them to know what's going on and um, for him to, to watch and know that, oh, crap, you know, they're, they're, you know, all those guys are in the ring. So, yeah, I, I could buy that, but also I could potentially see that there being some heat of the match going back and they didn't tell him on purpose, but who knows? It's all speculation at this point. Hmm. Well, you know, I think the the truth could be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, we're not really sure. Um, speaking of all in and being the elite, being the elite came out with a new episode this past week, a forty five minute episode detailing the backstage uh, details of the week of all in. Did you watch that? Yes, I did. The whole thing. Yeah, I did. I watched like I got through some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anything like in particular? I mean, there probably wasn't not very many bits or anything, right? Uh, no, the bit there was some bits at the end. The most one, I, the one I remember was at the end where Kenny is in Cody's room. He comes into Cody's room, and you think he's talking to Cody. He's like, you know, I just want to say, you know, I'm really sorry for how the way things was were. Was it Randy? No, it was Pharaoh. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, you, you see Cody just like sitting there, like staring at Kenny, like. And like Kenny's like giving his apologies, like you know, I would have voted for you for president. I think you would have made a good president. Blah 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 blah. Like it makes it, so you think he's talking to Cody, and then the camera like pans down and it's Pharaoh. He's like petting Pharaoh, and Cody's like, "All right, Kenny, get your own damn dog." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Sorry, man." He's like, "I just wanted to make sure me and Pharaoh are cool. Like we're cool too, right?" <laughs> he's like, "Yes, Kenny." And then like Brandy comes in. He's like apologizes to Brandy for like putting her through a table at Supercard and. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I want, I want us to get back together. He's like, you know, me, you, Cody, Pharaoh, like, you know, we can all, you know, get back together. He's like, you know, me and you could be best friends. And then Flip Gordon comes out the bathroom. He's like, best friends? Did I hear you say best friends? Like, I'm Brandy's best friend. And then Cody's like, Flip, what the hell are you doing in my bathroom? <laughs> he's like, uh, mine got clogged up. It's like, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'll catch you guys later. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, as far as, like, backstage stuff, anything, like, you know, real eye-opening or interesting? Uh, nah. Not really. Not really. Yeah. Just... Yeah, so that's cool. So if you get a chance, check that out. Uh, the Bucks did go on Twitter and say that they're going to be taking a break from being the elite, uh, as well as taking a well-deserved rest uh, following All In. So uh, we probably won't have much coverage of that show, you know, for, for the next few weeks. I would assume. Maybe yeah. who knows? Maybe even months. Hard to say. Um, Chris Jericho, who we talked about last week, making a surprise appearance during All In, um, was all over the media this past week, and that everyone wanted to, you know, talk to him about the appearance the surprise he made one thing that was real interesting was how I saw where he talked about how they had originally wanted him to do different things for, for the show right? and he kind of turned them down and then at the very kind of like in the 11th hour he's like well why don't you know why don't I just do this <laughs> yeah and so then he kind of so, yeah he goes into detail on uh, Takas Jericho last week um yeah about the whole whole getting it set up driving there the, all the hassle they went through with getting uh, matching gear for Pentagon. Yeah. 
they actually had to like spray paint because Pentagon had like gold gear and silver gear. Obviously, Penta wore the gold gear. I was going to give Jericho the silver gear. But uh, so they had to like get gold spray paint to like spray paint the gold so it could look like Pentagon. So all this whole stuff, it was on top of Jericho. Good stuff. Yeah. They actually, um, you know, Y2J and the Young Bucks do have a shirt coming out. Uh, the Y2 Jackson shirt. Yeah, it says uh, Bucks of Jericho or is it Y2 Jackson that's now available in every Hot Topic. Uh, I also saw where the SCU shirt is also going to be available in Hot Topic soon. So if you, you know, are fans of those guys and you want to get their shirt, you know, by all means. And then um, breaking news that just came out. So Cody and Nick Aldis has confirmed the rematch. Yeah, so a, a fan made this poster, the rematch, Cody versus um, Aldis for the NWA World Championship at the 70th anniversary show, which is happening at the Tennessee Fairgrounds in Nashville. And uh, Nick Aldis retweeted it. It said, tickets go on sale this Friday, available on Fight TV. So are we going to Nashville? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Yo, like, I can't even joke like that because Jeremy will actually... I'm down. <laughs> Jeremy's going to be down. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm like, ah, nah. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of good things are coming up for the NWA. I'm actually pretty excited about this uh, 70th anniversary show. Dave Lagana was uh, interviewed by our, uh, our new buddy, Rich Kreich, on Voices yeah. of Wrestling. Um, you know, they're, they're bringing him back to the NWA national title. They're going to be doing work with the NWA women's title. The national title. Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> wait for that title to come yeah, back. Yeah, man. The NWA tag titles eventually will be back. So I think such luminaries as Cahagas have held that belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. But, uh, no, that's awesome. Uh, we, You know, I'm excited. I'm big NWA mark from back in the day. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's good yeah, I mean, it's on. 2018. I'm excited about the NWA and yeah. the NWA world title. So, Shout out to Dave Lagana, 10 pounds of gold. I watched the uh, the last 10 pounds of gold, which was like the post-match, kind of like recap of uh, Cody versus Aldis. Amazing stuff. The 10 pounds of gold stuff. Is, you think Cody's dropping this belt quick? Um, they could. It all, I guess it all depends what the deal they worked out with. I mean, if they want to go right back to Aldis. And, they do. That's what they used to do with Dusty. Yeah. They, they might give him a Dusty run. Yeah. I guess it all depends. I mean, unless they're trying to get that belt defended in MSG. And you have Cody to be the one to do it. Hey, if if it was me and my company and I had to either have Cody be my champion or Nick Aldis be my champion. I'm going Cody. You know, <laughs> you know I'm going Cody. So, yeah. um, yep. So then that's going to bring us in out of uh, the elite. Man, it's like the elite like just dominates this other section of news here. Um We have unfortunate news. Daniel Bryan has officially... <laughs> He has officially re-signed uh, with WWE, and I, mean, I know we've kind of had some similar stories, but it is—it's confirmed. It is official. It is yeah. a done deal. He is back with. I mean, he's with WWE, so um, there is no chance we're going to be seeing him yeah. wrestle outside. Uh, I mean, honestly, I wasn't surprised. Kind of based off of the the book, all the bookings he, that he's already uh, been advertised for, and I can't blame the guy. I mean, he's getting you know big paycheck his wife works there um i mean you know gotta do what's best for his family would i have loved to seen him you know come back to ring of honor go to new japan uh wrestle in europe wrestle in mexico of course i would and i mean he's still at an age where that's still possible down the line um so i'm just hoping with this you know new contract that they will actually now that he signed 
push Brian to the level that he should be pushed. Yeah. So um, we did hear some news about uh, like a new detail and wrinkle kind of came out. Everything that you're saying right now, Jeremy, we kind of have talked about. We kind of knew. But there was a new detail that came out regarding an option on his uh, on his contract that we were not aware of prior to just the other day. Right. So WWE had the option to uh, extend his contract out another year. Uh, due to the injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that's one thing that probably, I'm not saying for sure, but there's a good chance that it could have affected his decision to resign with the company. Um, we kind of were aware that they could do this sort of thing. They did it with like Rey Mysterio in the past and different people. But, um, you know, if they really wanted to, they could have exer- exercised this option and kept him for literally, we thought that September 1st was his last day. Right. Well, because my, my understanding was once he became the general manager, that like reactivated the contract. Apparently not. But I guess there's a difference in a wrestler contract and performance, like a, you know, on air. Yeah. Contract. So that's that was very very that was an interesting wrinkle that was just recently broke this past week we did not know about. So, um, with that being said, we also have uh, actual unfortunate news. Uh, we got news of the passing of um, Mike Hogwood. Yes. Yeah, so Mike Hogwood, he was a former Ring of Honor broadcaster. He died last Wednesday at the age of 63. He's best known for his work as a college sports annou- announcer for the Atlantic Coast Conference and for various on-air roles at local broadcast stations. He became the Ring of Honor play-by-play man when the promotion had its run on HDNet in 2009 uh, and now Access TV. Despite having no uh, wrestling experience, he and Dave Prezak were a part of all 100 episodes of ROH on HDNet. Um, he was not retained after Sincare Broadcasting purchased the promotion in June of 2011. He retired from broadcasting in 2013 after a 26-year uh, run. Um, not 100% sure of what the cause of death is. Um, but, you know, there was an outpouring of praise for his work on social media. And, you know, I watched... I was big into Ring of Honor during the HD net era and I've probably seen a majority of those episodes and you know he had his famous catchphrase uh, slap the porpoise uh, anytime somebody got pinned you know they got hit with a big move so you know Nigel McGuinness has like the Tower of London one two three slap the porpoise this one is over and I thought he did a really good job for not having a pro wrestling background um, and just kind of you know being fresh in there I thought he was very entertaining and um, it's kind of sad. I mean, 60 year, 63, man, that's still pretty young. So yeah. s- sad to hear about that. Yeah, I, I wasn't too privy to the uh, HD net day, so I can't say that I'm too familiar with his uh, work, but our thoughts got to his family. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, that's unfortunate to hear that. But um, um, in other news, so the British J Cup occurred this past weekend. So we saw the... Um, the different brackets. So Jushin Thunder Liger taking on um, Fletcher, um, El Fantasmo taking on Bandito, Chapman versus Romero, Show versus Allmark, Yo versus Taguchi, Rich Swan versus Flamita, David Starr taking on Tiger Mask, and Kushida versus Ridgeway. So, you know, obviously Liger, Show, Yo, and uh, Tiger Mask as well as Kushida, all New Japan stars who took place. To, uh, who wrestled in this international tournament. Um, Liger ended up uh, going on to the second uh, round of the tournament where he he was the defending champion. He was the former British J-Cup champion last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, tournament winner, he ended up losing um, to El Phantasmo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Rocky Romero ended up defeating Sho to go on to the finals. Um, Kushida ended up defeating David Starr to go on to the finals. And then Yo or lost to Rich Swan. So the finals ended up being El Fantasmo, Kushida, Rich Swan, and Rocky Romero, with the winner El Fantasmo taking the British J Cup. Nice. So, um, heard lots of good reports. A lot of the matches were highly recommended. So, if you get a chance, that's with Rep Pro. Rep Pro's British J Cup. It was a two night tournament. So, you, if you get a chance, you definitely want to check that out. Lots of good New Japan action coming out of that. Um, last week, prior to um, All In, um, Kenta, uh, otherwise known as Hideo Itami, made his return to the Noah ring, taking on uh, Marafuji. In Marafuji's, I believe, what, 20th anniversary show? Yeah. And uh, these guys just have, you know, a, a very, very, very deep history going back to the early days of Noah and their tag team and all that sort of thing. Um, and the match, it's up on YouTube. You just type in uh, Hideo Itami versus Marafuji. It'll be the first thing that pops up. Yeah, now Muchi, uh, now Michi, Marafuji, and, you know, Kenta were kind of like at one point the two guys that were supposed to be like the next stars in uh, Noah. So, you know, them kind of, it was really cool of WWE to kind of, we've talked about the, uh, the potential partnership that they have with with Noah, we don't know all the extent of it, um, but you know the fact that they allowed Kenta to go back and wrestle, you know, a match like this that had so much meaning. Um, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I definitely want to. It's uh, from what from all the reports, tons of emotion, very very emotional for fans of of Marafuji as well as Kenta and you know old school Noah fans. Marafuji did have a tweet where he talked about if, in the future if WWE ever called him, he would want to return the favors. So, right. You know, we might see him on one of these NXT shows one of these days. Yeah, definitely like, almost like the Liger thing with uh, against Tyler Breeze in Brooklyn. Potentially, yeah. Um, also, speaking of NXT, there the rumors of Pentagon and Phoenix are just continuing. Now, I did see that they ran an angle, uh, spoiler alert, in MLW where... Um, Selena De La Renta was trying to get them to re-sign a, a contract, and they kind of ripped them up, right? Right, because Conan came in and was like, "These, did you guys, did you even read the contract that she's getting you guys to sign?" And like, so they ripped the contract. They're now with Conan feuding against Selena De La Renta. But yeah, there've been ongoing rumors that you know the, the evidence basically has been mounting that Pentagon and Phoenix might be WWE bound. I mean, earlier this summer. Uh, they told promoters that the dates that they had booked for 2019 are going to be questionable at this point. Um, you know, Dave Meltzer wrote, he said the main thing is that both of them are not taking any dates in 2019 in mid-August, which is usually a sign that people are going to WWE. Also, MLW had uh, put out a tweet earlier this week where they talked about the incredible 2018 that the Lucha Brothers had had. And, um, you know, they said MLW fans might be shocked to see what's Next, next. They spelled and they spelled it NXT, which is kind of like obviously if they are going, they're not allowed to talk about it. But right. it is interesting that MLW would post something like that, and it might just be like a quick uh, publicity grab or something like that. Yeah. But um, I am wondering. I am wondering. Um, at the same time, Pentagon has come out and like actually publicly addressed this. Uh, he did at the uh, recent uh, PCW Ultra show. Yep. Where he said he was not going. Yeah. So, but I mean, we've seen the same thing from Matt Riddle. We've seen the same thing from Keith Lee. Seen the same thing from a lot of guys. And guess what? Yeah. They usually go. Yeah. He he said, uh, "I'm not going anywhere. Penta will be in PCW for many more years." So, I mean, what do you think? I think they're going, man. 
I don't know. I've been hearing some people saying like potentially maybe Phoenix can go and Penta stays, or I don't know what's going to happen. Be I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they do go, but at the same time like the whole MLW tweets kind of weird. Pentagon doing this kind of weird. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say, but we'll keep our eyes and ears plugged on that. Given the match that we just saw with Pentagon, I'm like, I know earlier, like in the year, we had fans asking, you know, uh, listeners asking us, like, could we ever see Pentagon in New Japan? I was like, no, no. But after seeing like him work a New Japan style match, I'm like, please, (laughs) please come to New Japan. It would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, But yeah, so we haven't, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But, um, Speaking of outside shows, so on August 31st, um, there was a produce show, uh, Takaya Mania Empire, which was, um, you know, basically a charity show that happened in Tokyo at uh, Corken Hall. Um, This was another show to kind of help Yoshihiro Takayama following his unfortunate injury and paralysis. Uh, Minoru Suzuki um, helped organize the show and was instrumental in raising money for Takayama's uh, health. I think that you can still give to the Takayama fund that's out there. And, you know, maybe at this point we should get some information on that so we can (laughs) help people uh, donate to that. But, um, you know, this was a produce show. Lots of different stars on it. Uh, Miko Setamora is the... DDT champion now, uh, which is kind of crazy. I'm not sure how that's possible, but uh, <laughs> she is, and she was on the show. Um, Dick Togo, lots of different guys. Hmm. Um, you know, Marafuji was on the show. Um, there was New Japan guys. Uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Shota Umino took on Yuji Nagata and Ren Narita, um, as well in the main event. Uh, there was a six-man tag where Minoru Suzuki teamed up with Mazada and Nosawa Rungai, taking on uh, Tai Okea, Shuji Kondo, and Takamichinoku. So, um, you know, if you might want to get a ch- if you get a chance, you might want to check out Takaya Mania. There's a couple matches that seemed pretty good on there. Um, speaking of which, when I went to go check this ma- this show out, I went to a website that I always go to when I'm going to check out. Uh, I sound like I'm about to do a do like a, one of those uh, commercials <laughs> you know yeah. but uh, no in all honesty I went to a website that I usually go to when I'm checking out other Perezu uh, content um, perezuspirit.com or .net it's one of the oldest running like you know Pero websites out there and it's doesn't exist it's down yeah you go to the site and you can actually buy it for almost $3,000 which is like it's just kind of crazy. Like, that site's been around forever. Like, I cannot remember a time where, on the internet, where I could look back and, and find stuff about, you know, Japanese pro wrestling and not see that website. Right. So, I am kind of wondering, like, uh, I didn't he, he had some tweets, right? Yeah, he made a, um, a post on their Facebook page uh, kind of saying, you know, he's, he's being kind of, he has to step back from doing this. And, you know, if anybody wants to take it over, they can, but he's not going to be able to do it anymore. Huh. Very, very interesting. So, that's unfortunate news. Um, you know, very unfortunate, man. Yeah. Her as a spirit's been around forever. So, hey, if somebody wants to keep it going. I was I was shocked. By, by that URL. Yeah, by that URL. I mean, I don't know if it's worth anything, but yeah. Uh, I mean, it must be worth something if they're trying to sell it for that much money. Yeah, I mean, it's a top website. I mean, if you take that over, you're going to, you know, get some good web traffic. and. We thought about buying, but then we saw the price. We're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like the price. How many? I mean, we could get a lot of StarCast bracelets for that. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh um, my gosh. Wrapping up, we got some other outside news. So um, CM Punk was uh, recently interviewed and asked about uh, would he be returning to wrestling? And he said at this point, he's just going to be focusing on acting. He may be returning to MMA. For him, it's not UFC or bust. He might be taking some outside fights. He's not sure. But the one thing he knows he's not going to be doing is wrestling. He says wrestling has nothing to offer him. So, uh, you know, it was probably cool for those fans that got to sit in line for 12 hours that day in the hot Chicago sun and meet him. But this is a guy who's not coming back Yeah. at this point. So um, at this point in our podcast, I think we are going to stop talking about Brian and Punk coming back to pro wrestling or coming to, you know, outside companies. Right. Like yeah. It's, it's over. It's, it's over. Yep. Yep. So that's done. Um, one guy who did make his return to the indie scene this past weekend, uh, the Velveteen Dream worked the Evolve 112 and 113 shows in dark matches. Yeah. He, on, uh, he defeated. He defeated Austin Theory, and he defeated Darby Allen. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it just continues to show the relationship between Evolve and NXT and, you know, Gabe Sapolsky and Triple H, um, kind of setting guys out to Evolve for a special dark match for the crowds. Um, you know, I think it's a good little thing for their relationship, and it kind of, I think it's good for guys like Velveteen to, you know, work in front of an indie crowd like that and wrestle guys like Austin Theory and Darby Allin and kind of get a different experience. So I just, I just wish it was, like, taped so we can actually see it. But, hmm. you know, Austin Theory is a guy that any any day now could be signed by them and show up in NXT. Yeah. Um, and Darby Allin, we've sang his praises He's over and over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is kind of small. I don't know. If, I mean, he, I could see him doing good in NXT, but he might be end up being 205 live bound if he would go to the main roster. Uh, but, I mean, he's a talented guy, too. So Sure. Um, Dragon Gate news. So Shingo Takagi is going to be a free agent as of October 7th. Uh, longtime star over there. I mean, you probably could have seen this coming. He did work the All Japan Carnival this past year. He's been working Big Japan shows, things like that. Uh, the only thing I'm wondering is, is he coming to New Japan? Um, I don't know if he would or not, but I mean, I'm a big, big, big fan of Shingo. Um, I don't know if you, you haven't really seen too much of his stuff. I've seen a little a bit. Little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, Dragon Gate also had a tease. Pock Alert 2018. I don't know. <laughs> Pock Alert 2018. They, they did on their Twitter say that uh, coming next month in October, they're going to be running, uh, you know, for one of their shows. They said that they had a big return, someone who was once with them and left is now returning. What that means, I don't know, but... I mean, uh, Pac is definitely a candidate. That's the name that people are throwing around, and it seems like if he was going to return, that's a place he probably would work, so... Uh, I guess he's uh, following the uh, Joe Lanza five-point plan, <laughs> hitting up Dragon Gate first. Um, and then uh, last couple bits of news, we got Ring of Honor-related news. So final details for Final Battle 2018 have now come out. Yeah, so Final Battle 2018 will be held at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City on Friday, December 14th. Third straight year at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, so tickets will go on sale to Honor Club members at 10 a.m. Eastern Time this coming up Wednesday, September 12th. And the, they'll be made available to the general public at 10 a.m. on Friday, September 14th. So final battle, uh, you know, that's Ring of Honor's almost kind of like their WrestleMania it's usually the WrestleMania, I know the MSG show is kind of coming up, but Final Battle is usually their kind of big show of the year where big angles are blown off. Um, so, yeah. 
And then um, the last bit of news to close out the show, we just had breaking news. Um, Honor Club is going to be airing live as well as on video on demand, CMLL's 85th anniversary show this coming Friday. Yeah, so this is you know CMLL's biggest show of the year, and uh, it'll be um, live streamed and on demand for all Honor Club members this Friday. Uh, you know, Ring of Honor star Matt Taven's going to be competing in a hair match. A oh, hair, that makes sense. In a tag main event. Um, so the broadcast begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The action will be called in Spanish by CMLL's uh, commentary team. So, yeah. So that's going to do it for the news. Yeah, so that's going to wrap things up. want to thank you guys again for listening to another week of Keeping It Strong Style. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash groups slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can also email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com if you have any questions or if you want to write for Social Suplex or be a part of Social Suplex in any way. You can also check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Rookie and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. The Outsider's Edge, featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle. In our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryant. And don't forget to subscribe to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Leave a rating and review. Help us get over. So until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time.